Welcome to Mortally Wounded Podcast, episode 34. I'm your host, James. And I'm your host, Chris. Chris, welcome back. We're here again after a mammoth episode with uh, uh, Tim Barclay. That was such a cool episode. It was, it was great to talk to him about his uh, his hobby and especially that um, awesome uh, Pirate Orcs project that he, uh, he discussed at length with us. So um, we're back to talk about a bit of a uh, CanCon wrap-up, just a hobby catch-up, a uh, little bit about games played and just sort of like a yeah, just a, a, a standard sort of format this evening. So, just sort of get warm ourselves up for the for another year of podcasting. So, Chris, talk to me, man. I think you're selling it a bit short, James. This is going to be the CanCon episode. The CanCon. We're going to be talking about everything that we got up to um, after talking to Tim about what he did for his army. So, uh, now I'm looking forward to it. We're going to. It's not going to quite be the four hour show I think we ended up doing last year, but. Um, <laughs> we won't we don't worry listeners we won't subject you to that again um but yeah it's uh gonna be cool we're gonna chat our whole whole cancon weekend really this year cancon 2020 our experiences and and everything so yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to this one um but what have i been doing recently i'm just working on my ko for the dwellers narrative event between worlds so um yeah i'm currently just painting portholes on my first gun hauler so um it's i followed the duncan method apart from i'm not duncan so it's not neat but <laughs> it's uh it's something uh how about you mate what have you been working on um yeah working on the dwellers uh narrative event army so um touched on a bit in the last episode so i won't go into too much depth but yeah i've just been painting up some uh, fireforge um, miniatures so they've released a new uh, set of zombie models so these like zombie soldiers peasants things like that um for their line of for their game they've created a new game for it and stuff but their miniatures are fantastic so i've seconded them over to age of sigma um and so i finished painting a unit of 10 uh zombies but they're going to be uh they're going to be i'm going to run them as um grave guard so that sort of wraps into the narrative of the army so basically the living fight alongside the dead in this army uh they're from the clan vendrak uh in shayish of the you know, this sort of grand confederacy of confederacy of the um the clans rictus so people um who've read some of the older novels and stuff might recognize that name <laughs> but uh yeah and i'm currently in the middle of um well i just finished two horses from my uh blood knights so i'm proxying in some blood knights from game zone miniatures so they're actually called mournful knights under their line but um they're kind of they're really sort of older sculpts um metal miniatures so i'm kind of dealing with all the all the things that come along with that um but yeah i've got two of the the horses up to the point where i'm ready to seal them and um you know then start doing the basing and adding the gore and that kind of stuff but i've got three more horses to go then i've got to paint the riders so it's been going at a pretty slow pace but i'm conscious that we've i think from at retirement recording we've got about 11 weeks until oh, shit um, is that all okay yeah, we've got 11 weeks <laughs> to get uh, get these new armies ready i've so far painted 10 models and um, i'm halfway not even halfway through painting another five uh, cavalry models. So, well, uh, you're a but, lot you're a lot further along than I am. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, okay, um, that's yeah. that's worrying. 
yeah, it's it's it is concerning, but I've, I've I have written a backup list um, just in case it doesn't all work out. So um, I don't want to put too much pressure on myself because I'm not a huge fan of um, of painting to deadlines. But yeah, just as long as I keep at it every night, uh, just chip away, chip away, chip away, I think I'll be fine. Um, but oh yeah, we um, you and I we met up last weekend, weekend before I think I was it happened to be in Sydney that weekend for my cousin's wedding and uh, we met up and you handed over a beautiful Mercia miniature for that. I uh, did. <laughs> for my force. So this will be my Titan. So it's this giant uh, skeleton with a howdah on its back with, um, with skeleton warriors with bows and arrows on it and things like that. So, yeah, I think it's called the what tower Banbrecker or something yeah, from, tower from Mercia. From Mercia. Yeah. So it's a, yeah, beautiful model. I'm looking forward to putting that together. I think I might do that next just to make sure I've got it done. Um, so after I finish these blood nights, I'll get that on the table. I'll wash it, get it on the table, and, um, yeah, start uh, painting that motherfucker. <laughs> but, yeah, that's pretty yeah, much I need, I need, for me. Like, yeah, I need to just, like, speed along with this stuff and kind of get all of the models for the army just, painted to tabletop level and then just and get them all based and just do that then work on my titan i'm kind of in my head i'm wondering if i'm going to change my plan i haven't quite solidified what i was going to do because originally i was just going to do like a bigger custom kind of ironclad but i'm starting to wonder if i might change it and do some kind of something in between a terrain piece and a boat like i'm genuinely thinking of trying to do a flying like make the whole skyport yeah wow. like a flying skyport yeah, rig and then <laughs> i don't know so i yeah i need to just get everything painted to the point where the army is done and then like to an acceptable standard like i'm not going to ever win any painting awards or even try for it um i just want to be like yep cool three feet away looks cool got the basing and everything to kind of lift it a bit and then that gives me a good chunk of time to build and paint up the titan whatever that may be and then if i've got time i can start going back and just adding little things like edge highlights and like that's the sort of thing where if i've got one week left and i know that the army's done but i've got a week i can then just start going cool let's just add some really stark edge highlights and stuff like that to just kind of lift a bit of detail yeah. um without stressing like i've got like over painting half the army and then not getting it finished so yeah, that's, that's what I need to do. Um, so yeah, that's the plan. We'll get there. <clears throat> I believe in you, Chris. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, have you played any played any games um, that um, you want to talk about recently, like before CanCon or after um, CanCon? Yeah. So, oh, in the lead up to CanCon, uh, Michael Thompson uh, from Savage Northman, he came down to you know, Canberra on the Monday of that week. Uh, he's got family down here, so. Uh, he was camping in the camp, camping at the camping ground. So, um, yeah, we, we decided to have a game at my place. So he came over, I think it was on the Wednesday or the Thursday night. I think it was the Wednesday night. And, yeah, we, we set up a game. He brought out his um, Osiak Bone Reapers with Nagash and uh, all the Mortec Guard. And um, he had the Kavalos. And, yeah, I had my, you know, had my Arkan, Vampire Zombie Dragon, Coven Throne. You know, took my six Morgast Archai. Um, and some units of chain roughs. Um, so we we matched up. I think we did focal points from memory. But um, yeah, look, it was a really fun game. It was awesome to see the new um, 
um, Nagash in action. And um, yeah, I, it was it was interesting because I actually I actually felt like I was in the game up until probably like the last maybe it's, I think we got up to turn th- four. We, I, I think we finished the game, but yeah, that sort of I felt like I was still had a bit of a chance up until about sort of like the bottom of turn three into turn four, and then things started to go down south pretty quick. But um, it's always fun uh, playing with Michael. He's a he's an old friend of mine. Um, yeah, we've it was good to catch up with him and to have have a bit of fun together. So. That was that game. Um, I won't go into CanCon games just yet. We'll do that next. But uh, since CanCon, not a lot of games. Uh, I had one just sort of casual game with Charles Black here down at uh, down at Jolt. Um, I significantly changed my list after CanCon. <laughs> I think I, I think I brought the list that I, I probably should, you know, in hindsight, wish I'd taken to CanCon, which um, had Nagash in it in a Legion of Grief um, format. So I had Nagash. Um, I had Lady Alinda, um, Chain Rass, Hex Rays, and Spirit Spirit Host, the Horror Ghast, and the um, Purple Sun. And he brought his uh, Trogoth heavy army, so uh, that was a lot of fun. I think it's his fun sort of casual list. And I brought my wish what I <laughs> what I wish I brought to Cancon list, <laughs> and we played. I can't remember the scenario, but we yeah we had we had, had a blast. Those um those trolls are pretty cool and. It was a really epic moment where his uh, trog boss uh, <laughs> just completely flattened the gash in two rounds of combat. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, it was funny to see that. That was just for that moment. It was worth it. But um, yeah, managed to pull out a win somehow in that game. Um, so I was pretty chuffed with that. Uh, but yeah, since then, not many games. I've pretty much just been yeah back into work and uh, just focusing in on the hobby, just trying to get this army up and running. Um, especially because I've been doing uh, so trying out new techniques and things, which I touched on the last episode. But um, yeah, using new paints, trying a few different methods that are that are new to me. Uh, just trying to stretch my horizons a little bit there. So using oil paints, um, using a lot of um, like uh, you know, mineral spirits to like uh, thin paints and to sort of use Q-tips to to do sort of reverse highlighting. So you sort of dab it back on where you want it to be highlighted and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just trying some new things and using wax metallic paints. Um, so sort of been doing that sort of light dry brushing back over um, some the metallic parts on some of the models because, um, I mean, like really weathering them up. So we've been trying to get that real weathered kind of textured kind of approach to, to painting, uh, not so much clean, um, using like trying to go for a bit more realism, sort of that grim dark kind of um, sort of feel um been watching a lot of the grimdark compendium tutorials to get some inspiration in and instruction yeah um which i've mentioned before but yeah that's been it's been a lot of fun it's been very rewarding i'm really happy with how the um the um that first set of uh, the first unit of 10 zombie graveguard turned out um i've still got to put the decals on i've actually ordered in from forge world uh the the night lords uh, from 30k, the Night Lords um, transfer sheet. So I'll be using some of their uh, sigils and symbologies on their shields and things like that's going to be sort of like the heraldry of my of the army. And there's these really cool uh, Grim Reaper kind of decals, which I'll be transferring onto the um, the banner on the um, on the Brambecker on the giant right. skeleton. It's like a banner up its back. So I think I'll be trying to use that Grim. Grim Reaper kind of uh, transferred to, to you know put onto that 
onto that um, banner and stuff. So, yeah, I got some ideas. Enjoying the new exploration. I think it's turning out okay. I think over time I'll get better at it. Um, <laughs> but as with as you're as with everything, when you you're venturing out into a new kind of world, you're a bit you're a bit unsure. But all you got to do is just keep moving forward and keep experimenting, keep going, um, and um, eventually you sort of get a feel for it and you find your mojo and you just sort of grow and expand from there. So that's kind of been my my focus with all that stuff. Um, yeah, nice. Yeah, but yeah. AK Interactive uh, enamel washes as well have been really cool. I've been really been enjoying using the enamel washes. Uh, they are, they're super thin and they get into all the crevices um, on the models. And if it gets a bit messy, you can just go back because it takes so much longer to dry. You can just go back with a bit of um, mineral spirits and kind of just clean up the areas where you don't want it. So you can really, yeah, it's just so. It's not a lot different from using acrylics, but you know with acrylics they dry. It dries a lot faster. So sometimes when you you do get a bit messy, you just, you have to go back and paint over again, but with a, another color or sort of clean it up. And there's a lot of sort of going back and fixing up if you're not heaps neat in your first pass. Yeah. But finding with the oils and enamels, you can kind of be that little bit messy, and then you just go back and clean it off um, before it dries, or you can reactivate it to kind of spread it around a bit more with the spirit and it's just sort of a different a different way of doing it you sort of got a bit more sort of scope i guess to kind of um fashion fashion it the way you want i guess with it for lack of yeah. a better term but yeah anyway that's enough yeah, no, that's cool it's enough for me you can, t- <laughs> you can tell you like how enthused you are from for trying all the new techniques and stuff like talking about it i know you could talk for hours about it so it's it's cool um, <laughs> yeah but yeah i've just i guess my recent discovery has I've heard about them for ages, but I finally bought myself just a cheap pack of um, makeup brushes for dry brushing. And it's, yeah, they are amazing. Like anyone that's kind of heard of it, honestly, just go out and get some. Like I just went to a local, it's like one of those Asian like little stores. Like it wasn't Muji, but it was, I don't know, some, it was just a little kind of Asian store, like chemist type thing. And they had this box of, it's actually Marvel branded so i don't feel like i've just bought ladies makeup brushes not that that matters but it was like a little a little tin of four small ones but just different sizes for like 10 bucks and they are they are brilliant i can understand why people talk about them they're just so soft and fine like i've i always find that the first time i dry brush when they're like with gw like i'll always have one part where i haven't wiped enough of it off onto the tissue and i just get this clump of paint yeah and i'm like bugger Whereas, like, it just hasn't happened once with these, I don't, and I don't think it will. They're just not the brush head and shape just isn't capable of having a big clump of paint like that in it. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, they're they're really good. Um, I'm finding them brilliant for just dry brushing stuff up really quickly and nicely, yeah. and because they're quite small, you can get into all the bits and bobs you need. But they only do pick up the extreme detail. Whereas sometimes I found that the GW ones would get the bristles over a bit so they'd almost push down into cracks sometimes and paint where you didn't want the dry brush yeah um that's just me being shit at dry brushing but um oh no but yeah no these are these are these are really good so um yeah i really recommend getting them yeah like like dry brushing as a technique it's it's legit like i think um even with not uh, even with brushes that aren't as soft as like makeup brushes or or um or whatever like they're um i think it's you just got to apply less and not as heavy and really actually make it a dry brush as much as you can. Um, but yeah, it is legit. If you can, less is more is like kind of the mantra, I think. And you can always put less down and then build it up more a little bit 
if you need to. But yeah, it's just one of those things, like especially when you're sort of newer to painting, um, it's so easy to sort of whack on a dry brush. But uh, yeah, you kind of you do get that real sort of cakey kind of uh, yeah clumpy what you were saying clumpy sort of look. But um, don't be discouraged if you if you you know if you're doing it and you don't um, think it looks good, just um, just try and dry it out a bit more and just use a bit less and um, see how you go with that. Um, anyway, yeah. Yeah, any cool. Game, any games played? Uh, yeah, I've played some, but I I won't go through them. They've just been various random games testing random lists I've been writing. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk all about CanCon, so I'll save them maybe for another time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, should we kick off what was CanCon twenty twenty? Um, I know I got I got down there on the the Thursday um, afternoon after a road trip down with the. Uh, Liam Shadowhammer himself. Um, yep. <laughs> so I just drank as many cruisers as I could in the car, guava cruisers, pick some up on the way. Uh, <laughs> first stop in Sydney was Dan Murphy's, get some guava cruisers and then found some pineapple sugar-free ones as well. So I had some pineapple ones too, because kn everyone knows Liam loves pineapple. Um, <laughs> if you're ever at a tournament with Liam, just go and ask him if he wants some pineapple with his dinner, trust me. Um, and yeah, so I just drank as many of them as I could on the, the drive down to Canberra, which was fun. Um, how about you, mate? When did you get, well, you're obviously down there already, well, but yeah, I live there, but, um, yeah, so on Thursday, on Thursday night, actually, um, uh, I was helping Travis, uh, run the, uh, the Vince Venturella painting, uh, classes on the Saturday, oh, sorry, on the Friday. Uh, so yeah, so I went and picked up the stuff, uh, went over to Jolt and, um, Brent came along with me and we, um, yeah, we just set up for the, the painting, um, sessions on the, on the Friday. Um, yeah. And then come Friday morning, should we just roll on into Friday morning? Uh, so you didn't do anything Thursday or anything? No, nah, just the setup. No. <laughs> yeah. The setup. Uh, so yeah, Thursday I was, we, I went down. Did with... you go to Jolt? Did we have, did we have games yeah. on Thursday? Yeah, we went, yeah, we went to Jolt on Thursday. Yeah, yeah. Um, and me and Liam went and picked up Dan Street, um, AOS shorts from the Caratel. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. I finally got to actually meet Dan in person because we've been been chatting online for ages, but have never actually met. So that was kind of this weird thing where we're yeah. texting beforehand saying, yeah, mate, it's fine. I'll come pick you up and then get out of the car and like, hi, nice to actually meet you. <laughs> we guys did a podcast um, together as well at some point. Yeah, exactly. It, it yeah. feels like we had met before then. But yeah, I was like, we actually haven't. So, um, but yeah, that was really cool to finally actually get to kind of meet Dan in person um, after obviously missing out last year um yeah. and yeah so we just went and picked dan up and then um headed to jolt games and um me and dan had a casual just game on the game on the thursday i brought down a um just one of my spare armies for him um because he the decision for him to fly over was quite last minute um and i just said look i can bring an extra army down like we're in the car we've got space it's fine so i just messaged him beforehand with a list i have like a OneDrive dock of all my painted stuff anyway and i just sent him the link to that and said look like this is what i've got if you want to make armies from it and yeah. one of them was iron jaws and they're quite good now under the new book so yeah he just thought oh yeah that'll be fun i'll <laughs> give the iron jaws a crack so i just brought my iron jaws along and yeah we had a we had a game at jolt um which was cool dan got the win he was very happy with uh 
a Maw Crusher and was like, oh my god, I, I want an Iron Jaws army now, like seeing the raw power of a Maw Crusher. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was cool. And didn't you you played a game as well, didn't you? Uh I don't think I didn't play one on the Thursday, but I played I played a couple on the Friday though. Ah, okay. Yep. Yeah, Must so uh we rocked up in the morning there. Um just you know, I went when I picked up Vince and um, Dan as well from the Caratel, uh, picked them up in the morning, took them over to Jolt. Um, so, yeah, people started flooding through the doors and filling up the seats. So just uh, sort of marking off names and just making sure everyone was there until then Trav arrived a bit later and was able to sort of take over the reins. And, yeah, so once that was all settled, I was able to get a couple of games in. So I played um, Peter Petriman from um, Sydney. He'd come down already, and I played against his um, double hag queen list. I think it was the double hag queen. Oh no, what am I? Rogue Idol. Rogue Idol, not the hag queen. Apologies, Peter. Hag- <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was like, hag queen. What are you talking about? He played destruction. I played a hag queen um, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So we had we had a, had a fun game. Those oh, two. you mean a troll hag? Yeah. I was like, hag queen is like doors of cane. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, just take me out the back and shoot me. <laughs> oh, old Jella. Um. <laughs> no, but, um, yeah, so we had that game. Two Rogue Idols is absolutely, like, it's just so – It's they're so good. They're just – yeah, it was it was a tough tough game. It was a lot of fun, though. Um, Peter's a good guy. He's fun to play games with. Um, and, yeah, played a game against Dan in the afternoon, actually, against those Iron Jaws. And managed to pull somehow pull a win. <laughs> but I think oh, Bru- was... Brewer, right? Yeah, yeah, Dan Brewer. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, and yes, that was fun. But that was all going on in the background of the Anzac Cup. And Chris, you played in the Anzac Cup, the Tasman Cup, the Tanzac Cup, Ta- Tasman. Yeah, Tasman. Um, yeah, I did. Um, that was really fun. I was glad I got to be a part of that this year. So. Um... Yeah, that was the, uh, the second year of it. Um, so I think last year there was five people on each team. Um, this year, with more guys coming over from New Zealand, there was nine per team. So um, unfortunately, we had to have a couple of people. Like our team was not like optimized. We just had basically whoever was free and available and kind of wanted to play. Like um, uh, I think Paul Grixty had to step in like last minute because Sam Morgan, who was supposed to be our team captain, he had some flight dramas um, because that's part of the issue was uh, on the Thursday, everyone was starting to get really worried about who was flying into Canberra because the airport got closed and state of emergency declared because it was basically on fire. Um, there, yeah, was was pic- actually, there was some pictures. Where I work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, there I, was I some could actually pictures. see those flames through, like we're having a morning tea. And we're looking out the window, and there's just this torrent of fire burning all the trees across the road, and there's spot fires forming on the lawn in front of the building. So we're just like having cheese and crackers, just going, uh, um, "Should we be getting out of here?" <laughs> but yeah, sorry, interrupt. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, so that was a bit worrying. Um, there was lots of messages going around, so sort of saying, "Oh, who's gonna? How are people gonna get here, etc." But um, like Gabe and Hayden were both supposed to be coming down as well, and uh, we weren't sure about whether they were going to make it or not. Um, in the end, I think they switched to Sydney or got to the airport early Friday morning, ready to go to Sydney, and then just asked on the off chance if there was any way they could get on the flight to Canberra. And I think 
by that point they'd managed to sort the fire out and um they were able to get to canberra so i um on the friday morning had gone me and liam actually had gone for just breakfast at the cafe near our airbnb and happened to bump into clint and rob at, at this cafe near us um, which apparently is their little tradition now um but we didn't we didn't know so we just kind of saw them there and we're like oh that's cool um so we sat down and had a had a coffee and just breakfast with rob and um from honest wargamer and that was cool finally got to have a good kind of chat with him in in person as well um after again not like missing out last year um because obviously he's he was super busy this weekend and there's 220 or people there so i wasn't really expecting to be able to get much time with him um other than to kind of say hello get the odd word and and that be it um but yeah that was really nice to just kind of have some chilled out time um over breakfast to kind of just chat and stuff um just talking lists and things and what he was thinking he might bring to Brizhammer um because he's coming back over for that in uh April so that would be cool but yeah I think I I think I quashed his dreams a little bit with one of his list ideas. He said what it was, and I was like, "Yeah, that doesn't work. I've looked at that before." Um, but uh, <laughs> I always love talking lists and stuff. So yeah, that was that was fun. Um, and then I, they were going off to uh, sort out the venue and everything, and I said, um, "Like I'll go. Um, I can come help you for a, a couple hours." Um, I think Liam had already said he was going to play Dan Street. Um, beforehand so he had to go to jolt but then i took the car and just went off to the uh, exhibition hall and with a bunch of other people that were there kind of helped set up all the tables carrying all the boards from outside and set up all the the board toppers and yes yeah, a bit of an efficiency machine there just <laughs> carrying them all and finding ones that match and just kind of getting on with it i think hoops was there and he's like chris you're a machine you're putting us all to shame stop it um <laughs> But it was just funny. I was I'm I'm quite practical anyway, and I knew what needed to get done. And yeah, just th this weekend really for me the whole time was I just felt like I had so much to catch up on from missing it last year that I just was kind of like, yeah, cool. I'll come along here. I'll do this for an hour. Then I'll go off and go do that that I need to go do. And just was like, I don't need downtime. Like I just want to hang out with people, help where I can, talk to who I can. And um, that to be honest, that pretty much summarizes my whole weekend. But um. <laughs> yeah, so so did that for an hour and a hour and a half or so, and then had to go and uh, Gabe and Gabe and Hayden had uh, landed, and so uh, I was messaging them and saying, "Look, do you need do you need a lift or anything? I'm heading to I'm going to be heading to Jolt, but I've got the car because I think they were asking if Liam could pick them up, and I was like, "Well, I've got Liam's car, so um, I went and picked them up from. They told me they were at the soccer club, so I typed in the soccer club." And drove there on google maps and then was looking for them and hayden saying oh yeah we're in the car park by here and i'm like well i'm in the car park and where are you and then uh so then i go on google and look on it and turns out there's three different soccer clubs of the same name all in that area so uh they were at a different one <laughs> so i had to jump back in the car and uh drive off at like another 10 15 minutes or something out the way and go and go and grab them and then get back in the car and then rush to jolt but we got there in we got there in time i think the guys were just sort of starting to gather around to yeah. do the initial pairings and stuff so it was all good we made it no dramas um 
And then, yeah, kind of the Tasman Cup kicked off proper. Um, so it was nine players per team, nine for Australia, nine for New Zealand. And um, I think Nick and uh, Liam mainly were doing the pairings. I think Liam's trying to learn for ETC. And I think Matt Tyrrell was um, watching as well. So, yeah, our team was myself, Liam, Matt Tyrrell, Nick Hohen, Paul Grixty, Dave Hurley, Gabe, Hayden, and Ash. I think that's everyone. Really sorry if I missed anyone off the top of my head, but I think that was our team. Um, and then it was all of the kind of New Zealand boys, or most of them, I think it was all of them, um, playing. And so, yeah, I'm not going to go through all the pairings and all the matchups and everything. I think um, Heralds have already talked about kind of the overall results and stuff like that, but um, I was paired. Yeah, so the, the notorious boys have gone through it all as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was um, paired against Regan with his Legion of Night um, in Border War, which was one where I thought I've got the damage to go through stuff if I can get some charges and, and kill stuff off, but it's going to be kind of, as with that list in general, my whole weekend was just it swingy on a few dice rolls. Um, and unfortunately, a few things just didn't go my way. I made a very silly mistake on deployment with Durthu, which put him next to volcanic terrain when I didn't need to, which obviously means it went off first turn and did three more wins to him, which dropped his sword from okay. damage six. It dropped his sword from damage six to D6. And then that meant that when I made the charge into his 20 grave guard and got four successful attacks through that would have been 24 damage it turned into 11 on 46 um so <laughs> rather than going through them first turn i got stuck for another turn and then they came back and recharged me and then i had to kill them again and stuff so i was killing him and i didn't lose many kill points and stuff like that um and i was still able i, I could have won the game potentially on a couple of dice rolls um my tree refs were appallingly bad. Um, I charged them onto his home objective at one point, and I had 18 attacks hitting on fours, and I got one four. Um, and that, and then four, no, five skeletons then killed two tree revs, and then two ran away to Battleshock. <laughs> so I was like, cool, that's, that's that game, done. Um, there's no winning it now. But my uh, my secondary for that straight away was I was going through them and one of them was uh, kill all of your opponent's behemoths and he had Manfred and all I said was well you've got Manfred so he has to die and he was the only behemoth so I was like well this is my mission no matter how this game goes Manfred has to die obviously so um, yeah I uh, I killed Manfred so I got my uh, my secondary there so I think it ended up being a a sixteen four um, I got my secondary I stopped him getting his i think um can't remember to be honest um and then i killed a thousand and he didn't kill a thousand so yeah it was like a 16-4 which for a major loss isn't bad um to be honest yeah he we both got our secondaries but then i got the kill points and he didn't so yeah that would have given me four points um which yeah it was one of those ones where i said look it it should be a kind of green green to orange matchup for me um and i think yeah had dice rolls gone other ways i quite easily could have won that game but obviously didn't um but it was a really fun game i think everyone had a good 
like everyone went into it with the right attitude and um, spirit and it was fun. I think it was quite clear from the start the Kiwis were a, a little bit more keen than Team Australia, should I, should I say. Um, yeah, up, up the ante next year. <laughs> certainly with Jimmy Page doing all their, their pair-ups, I think they were they were much more keen to take it home than I think we were. Um, to be honest, customers. I hadn't even really, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was taking a non-competitive list to Cancon just because I was like, well, I don't care. And this will be fun to play three Lords and it makes me paint stuff that I haven't painted. So I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about how that might impact the Anzac cup in terms of having to play the same list. Um, and yeah, ha having a number of people kind of stepping in that weren't expecting to play, like you've got Paul with his Swift Talk agents. And I mean, we threw Gabe, poor Gabe with his iron jaws. We threw him under the bus against Jimmy uh, <laughs> as well. So, um, but still it was not too far apart. It was, uh, it went the way I thought it would, which would be one team would get five wins. The other team would get four, which is what happened. Um, I think last year it was one it was 3-2 this year it was 5-4 so um both years it's been close and games could have gone either way so i think it was yeah. good and um, maybe next year we'll uh, we'll bring some stronger lists or certainly i will i think uh, i don't want to let the team down and be one of our losses next year um if i'm lucky enough to to play um but yes yeah, so that was the the tasman cup so it's gone to the kiwis two years in a row so congratulations boys well done yeah well um, done. and and that was fun and then we had the big barbecue at the Caratel. Oh, can I just say one more thing? A couple of things yeah. about the um, Tasman, the Tasman Cup. Um, so hadn't seen Sean since um, Big Sean since Sydney GT when he took home the took home the um, the trophy there. But hang on, wait. Did he did he win a trophy or something? I have never heard him mention this. Apparently, yeah. He apparently won a trophy at at a, some event last year. It was quite, I think it's one of the bigger ones. From last year in Sydney, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, fake, Sydney. fake, fake news. <laughs> yeah, so oh, I love you, Sean. <laughs> yeah, so he he came in, gave me his big his big bear hug as he as he does, and and I just had this fucking brain fart moment where I called him Tubbs. <laughs> I'm like, hey Tubbs, you know. <laughs> and he just kind of he didn't he didn't let on that he'd realised, but then I walked away like like two five seconds after walking away, I was just like, fuck. Just called him Tubbs. <laughs> just like walking around, and um, you know, a bit later, I was like, "Oh, dude, uh, I think I called you fucking Tubbs earlier." And he's like, "Yeah, no, just... yeah." He's like, "I think Tubbs went." I, the, the Tubbs actually, you know, went up to him and said, "He just fucking call you Tubbs." <laughs> Do you hear that? Do you hear that, Sean? That's all the respect you you command from from James. <laughs> yeah, it's like Sean. It's confusing, man. Like fucking sort it out, motherfuckers. That's too funny. Um, yeah. But uh, there was this funny moment as well, like with with Big Sean when um, he'd finished his game with Hayden, and he just got like absolutely stomped by Hayden, and so he just fucked off and left all his um, models on the table. <laughs> he just fucked off and like went out for a cigarette or something like that. And like Dan Dan Brewer and me are waiting, like at the we're waiting at the table like to for it to free up so we could have our you know a casual game on that table. So we're just sitting there waiting, 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 and all these fucking shits everywhere. All these fucking storm cars are sitting on the on the um the battlefield. And he comes back and I'm just like, get your fucking get your fucking shit off the table, you piece of shit. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um <laughs> it was just funny because um I don't know if you recall there was that episode where, you know, you're talking about Sydney GT and you know, he was like 
banging on about how he hates it, how people do, how yeah, yeah. How it does that. So, you know, fucking in your face, Sean. Fucking sort your shit out, mate. Fucking <laughs> leaving your shit on the table so people can't start their games, honestly. Such a piece of shit. You win one trophy, Jesus. Fucking Such a diva. Up. I had heard that, that he was the Mariah Carey of wargaming. <laughs> yes. Oh, cop that, boys. All right. Oh, he's going to be furious as well, because I've just realised we didn't do something we were supposed to do for the intro for this episode. Oh, I'll do it. I'll do it, as, I'll do it as part of the outro instead. All right. Okay. But you, did you lose a bet or something? Oh, no, it's fine. Some 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 minor legal things that they technically own us now or something, but yeah, it's fine. Righto. We'll bring it. Okay. We'll bring it up at the end. <laughs> cool. All right. So Friday night barbecue. Yeah. The big the big barbecue over at um, the Caratel. Um, shout out to Doom uh, for organising that. It was it was fucking excellent. Like I I had no idea that it was like going to be to the the level that it was at. I walked in there. The place was was full of people, was packed out, and they had, he'd hired um, catering, and it was like a full buffet barbecue ready to go, just like a serving line. Um, so, yeah, well done there, um, Doom. That was fantastic. And, um, yeah, served up, got a, got a hamburger in me, got a few beers down my gullet. Everyone was having a good time, chats with everyone. It's fantastic. Yeah, no, it was good. It was, I think there was what at least 70 80 odd people there in the big hall and yeah as you say yep. there was you got burger and sausage and then there was like ice, oh, cream, ice cream or cake or whatever and um yeah it was just great to kind of have this place that l- not everyone but m- a lot of people from the event could all go to and yep. just all chat and hang out and it kind of was this thing to just get everyone to the caratel and yeah and then just start chatting to people and it was really, it was nice because I think it was probably an hour or so into the food, and then then Clint turned up after I think finally finishing like setting up in the hall, and everyone just cheered and applauded yeah. and and stuff, which is really nice. Um, yeah, it's good for him, and uh, yeah, and then just that was this the evening, right? It was just. I mean, myself, I was just going around trying to talk to as many people as possible. Um, had a good yeah. chat with um, Ken Sattler. It was the first time I'd um, met him and kind of went over and had a chat with him at one point, um, which was nice to talk to him. So hi, Ken, if you're listening. Um, and, yeah, just met loads of people. That was the first time I had a proper chat with um, Tim, Aussie Wargamer Tim, um, yeah. outside and was chatting with the D3 Mortal Wounds boys and I went off and was chatting with a load of the Kiwi boys for a bit. Um, I've been chatting with Jesse Perkins and um, Matt Tyrrell. Um, I think Adam Burt's one of their mates. Um, but yeah, so I was chatting chatting to them for a bit um, and had a good chats with Vince. Um, he, I was sat next to him at the table while we were eating food. Um, Dan... AOS Shorts was opposite. We were all talking about the uh, the rumours because um, that was the day the pictures had been released for the new Lumineth oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Realm Lords. So we were talking about that, um, obviously the Techless miniature. Um, but then we were also talking about the Giants. Vince was pissed that there hadn't been like any info on the Giants. He was like, that's all I want to know about. Like, 
Texas, I don't care. I just want to know about Giants, what's going on. So then we were just having a joke about how the Giants would work um, in terms of just like a super elite army of whether it would just be Giants. And I was like, nah, you have to have like three different sizes of Giants. So you'll have like one giant giant that's like the Forge World giant. And then you'll have another giant and then maybe like small giants that are like monstrous infantry sized giants and then uh, i was like oh and the big giant can have a shooting attack where it's also the army's teleporting mechanic where he picks up one of the small giants and he throws the small giant yeah. at your at your opponent and if you hit you get to place him where you want and it's the only mechanic that lets you teleport into combat because you have to be set up into combat with the unit the giant hits and stuff like that and both the giant and the unit takes loads of more wins we we're just laughing our heads off we we're like this is the best mechanic ever this needs to happen. <laughs> yes. um, so yeah, <laughs> it was really fun. Um, just just chatting to these people that are like from the other side of the world, other countries that I've never met in person, and you just get on right because of this common shared interest. Um, and yeah, I was just so hyped to be there, like just making up for not being there last year. And because I mean, for me, I know last year was near two hundred players, so it wasn't vastly different in size this year compared to last year but for me the last time i'd gone was 2018 when it had been 100 people so this was the first year for me where it was like massive and doubled in size um and it was just awesome to have literally like everybody that i know from across the country pretty much that does warhammer just all in one place and to be able to just chat to everyone like you can't get around to chat to everyone but yeah it's, i it's really it's really overwhelming as well because you just want to you want to be able to give the like, proper quality time to each individual person person but there's just there's just not enough time you gotta you gotta spread yourself around as much as you can but uh just it gets a bit overwhelming <laughs> sometimes in a good way <laughs> but yeah it was really good so i think i ended up staying chatting with new zealand boys and stuff with liam till probably about one ish oh, yeah. yep um before we got an uber back um to our airbnb um and stuff but yeah the friday was great um yeah it's good yeah should we should we have a um a quick break there and then we'll come back with the cancon weekend itself saturday sunday sounds good back and i am out of breath because there's a fucking huntsman on my bathroom ceiling that gave me a heart attack just then what <laughs> fuck this country sometimes seriously <laughs> i love it but oh not its spiders they can go to hell um <laughs> they freak me out i hate them so much i hate them with a passion um it's but like, yes it's, it's like um one of the chats earlier on he, i think it was matt campbell <laughs> saying that um he's going to bring his murder cows or something about his murder cows, and you go, that just sounds like an Australian animal. Yeah, that does sound like an Australian animal, though. <laughs> murder you cows. Just... Oh, you see over there, mate? Yeah, over the road. Yeah, near those murder cows. Yeah. <laughs> They're all right, mate. Just stay, as long as you stay just away. Just stay from away them. from them. They won't, they won't hurt you. 
They won't hurt you if you don't if you don't bother them. They won't hurt you. No, it's just it's just called murder cows because because no reason whatsoever. It's like I had uh, uh, my my American cousins were visiting um, uh, for my cousin other you know, Australian cousins' wedding. Um, but anyway, we we we're playing out that whole thing like talking about all that water spiders and spiders that come up through sinks and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing for, for non-Australians. We live in a terrifying country. We do. Um, so speaking of terrifying countries and fires and everything, no- nothing could keep everyone away though from CanCon 2020, Call to Glory, the Jade Kingdoms. It oh, was... Yeah. 217 players in the end making it officially the largest age of Sigmar singles event in the world Booyah! oh yeah <laughs> and australia had the the great honor and pleasure of hosting it um with international guests um aplenty we had guys from scotland guys from the us um yeah multiple people um with vince uh, and also rage of sigmar himself yeah, that's right yeah um and yeah dan street over aos shorts over from new zealand um just all this, all the celebs everything it was great on a small game um, <laughs> yeah it was yeah i mean rob being there to do all the com- the, com- the, the commentary was um was awesome and kind of gave it the the spotlight that i think the australian scene in cancon deserves and and everything yeah. so um absolutely so yeah should we before we kick off we won't do like blow by blow of our games but we'll go through and obviously say who we played and, and stuff like that and give highlights and everything yep. give to give credit to our opponents um but should we run through our the final lists we took first do you yeah, want yeah. to yeah, start I'll, yeah i'll go through my list um my uh you know yeah my tech you know my list tech let's 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 have a look so <laughs> i took uh i took grand host and a gash from the mortal realm of Giran. So I wanted to get into the spirit of the event, a uh, bit of narrative uh, there. And so my general was the Coven Throne. Uh, she she had Ancient Strategist. So that gave, that gives re-rolls. Strategist. Strate- ancient not, Strategist. Not a strategist. 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 Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that gives... Um, Rerolls to uh, the Morgast Archai or the Morgast in the army if they're within nine. It's a great strategy. Great, great strategy. Yes. <laughs> and I gave her the green flask, green blade flask, which is basically just a, a once per battle heal D6 in the hero phase. So essentially giving her a chalice of blood. I was going to say, and... that's actually really nice on a vampire lord. You can do it twice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've not really thought well, about that before. Yeah. Yeah, you can do it. Uh, but I, I put on the Coven Throne because she doesn't have that innate skill, which I think really, you know, being a vampire um, and, you know, a Coven Throne at that, they've got a whole bloody cauldron of blood sitting on that model. So it would make sense that they'd be able to just drink from it and heal. But anyway. Well, she is a uh, cunning strategist after all. So, yeah, stra- strategist. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had Ark in the Black rocking his new Flash um, War Scroll with his nerfed um curse of years and but arcane bolt spam james oh yeah all three of them <laughs> <laughs> no i was in it for the curse of years and then um it was in a i'll go through there was a, a point in one of the games where it was brought to my attention that uh that 
that spill had actually been nerfed quite significantly. Um, anyway, we've got uh, Vampire Lord, Zombie Dragon, um, just no frills, just the just your standard up and down Vampire Lord, Zombie Dragon. Um, ten, three times ten chain rasps. Uh, six Morgast Archive with Spirit Halberds, Command Point, and a Suffocating Grave Tide to make it up to 2,000 points. So that was my list. So the idea of this list, as you can probably sense, is Grand Host Nagash gives the Morgast Archive plus one attack. So we're looking at four attacks on each. Um, threes and threes, minus two to hit, three damage apiece. They've got a five-up Mortal Wound save. Um, and I was using the Coven Thrones... Uh, command ability, which is uh, tactical insight, so that gives that it gives a unit that they put it on um, reroll ones to hit, wound, and to save. So you know where that was going. So I was going on the big bad. What I was telling my opponents, this is the the big bad. So the six Morgar Sarkai, three to hit, reroll ones, <laughs> three to hit, reroll ones, reroll ones to save, four up save, five up model wound save. They were just like it was all about the the, the Death Star unit. Um, and supporting that. Uh, so did that did that um, strategy work for me? Maybe my maybe the Coven Throne was a bit too ancient in her strategy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that was that was the idea. It's basically just support the big bad, go in, um, try and get across the table and rip rip things apart before they get shot off or magicked off or or speed bumped too much. Um, and then use a chain rust to grab objectives. Vampire Lord Zombie Dragon goes off and does his thing and is a big threat. And with the magic support from Ark and the Black, which he was also with his new war scroll, is able to heal the Morgas Arkai. Uh, now they've got the bone, uh, the Ossiak Bone Reapers keyword. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah, so he's healing them three wins, flat three. It's not D3, it's to flat three. And he was also healing the chain rasps and etc. And the Grand Host, you got a chance to heal more. You got your grave sites, etc. So it was just um, there's a lot of like the chain rasts were just healing up all the time. The Morgast, if they survived the onslaughts, were um, was getting a bit of extra healing on them too. So it was good. So in theory, it looked all right on paper. I knew it wasn't going to win me many games. I was it was more um, just I wanted to take six Morgast Archai with the Coven Throne. Really, that's what it was all about, <laughs> um, and put the Vampire Lord Zombie Dragon back on the table because he seems to hibernate during the year then he comes out at cancon and gets stomped and he goes and hi hibernates again um, <laughs> same, same with the um coven throne <laughs> always seem to take coven throne to cancon for some reason yeah anyway so she'll go into hibernation again as well and as will this whole list so yeah that's that's my list that's my tech uh what about you chris so i took the trees after saying i was gonna retire them once again um they got some points drops and it dropped like 40 points off Dirthu, 40 points off the Tree Lord Ancient and 20 points off Tree Lord. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Um, and it will get me to, to paint stuff. And I just kind of was like, the intention was that I wanted quick games at Kangon. Like I would win some, lose some, but they would be like, I'd either go in and win or I'd go in and lose. And that would be fine. Cause each game would be quick and I'd have like an hour, hour and a half left to walk around the convention and chill out and not be stressing. So that was, that was the plan. However, didn't necessarily come to fruition in all my games because me being me, I still built a list that while it was not competitive, it still had, tools and the ability to let me still try and play into 
games. Still um, had some teeth. So I was still always <laughs> trying to play um, to win. And so that did push some of my games to time. And uh, or like we're always pushing to complete the five turns. Um, yeah. like I, fin I finished all my games, um, despite Michael constantly coming around and tapping his watch and being like, Chris. <laughs> and like he came over at one point with like an hour or an hour and a half left to go. It went to tap on his wrist and I was like, I'm fucking finished, all right? Like, I am done. Stop trying to tell me that I'm slow because I am done. But, um, yeah, he was just giving me shit all weekend, which was funny. It's just a joke now. But, um, but yeah, so I took a Spirit of Durthu. I was also in the realm of Goran because narrative. And it's not got nothing to do with the fact that it has Gaia Strike. Um, so I took a Spirit of Durthu with Gaia Strike for plus one to hit and wound. To make him twos and twos. Um, I was null root, which means that my whole army gets to reroll ones to hit um, if it's holier than 12 of a null root wizard. Um, so that's shooting and combat as well. So my Durthu in combat would be twos reroll ones by twos on his sword, which is pretty tasty and reliable because that's the one thing you need with him because he, he has the ability to do so much damage, but he doesn't have very many attacks and if you roll ones and twos it just you just see damage just go down the drain um so yeah i was trying to make him as reliable as possible um and then i had a tree lord ancient because i think he's really good especially the 40 point drop now um the ability to bring a wood on for free um in naru he's a brilliant general um because the trait means that in my hero phase if i cast any spell successfully at the end of the hero phase i get to pick a sylvaneth unit wholly within 18 of him and heal uh d3 wounds to it now i gave him the regrowth spell which is sylvaneth unit wholly within 18 heal d6 wounds to it um and then i gave him the vesperal gem artifact which is an auto cast of a sylvaneth law spell once per turn so it meant that i could auto cast regrowth and it can't be unbound so my opponent couldn't do anything to stop me getting a guaranteed D6 and D3 heal because of that combination on him, um, which I think Lee from New Zealand um, came over to me um, during the, Anzac, uh, the, the Tasman Cup sorry, um, and said, oh, I really like that bit of tech that you've done there. When I was going through the list, I was like, oh, oh, that's really clever. That's really nice. So, um, yeah, I think he, he said he might steal that. So good to know there's some influence there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, I was basically just trying to whatever my list could do the built the things I built into it. I was just trying to make it as consistent as possible. Um, so I wanted him to be able to consistently heal and try and keep Durthu on that max top bracket for the um, for the damage six on his sword. Ideally, um, the only issue sometimes was when he was hurt was I didn't have the True Lord Ancient next to him, so I couldn't actually use the heal on him um, or within eighteen of him rather. Um, but yes, yeah, so I had him, then I had a branch wraith and I had a branch witch, um, and the branch witch had the Naru artifact, which was the, um, chalice of nectar, which is that she casts and unbinds on 3d6, pick the two you want. Um, I mean, it, most of the time it's going to be pick the two highest, but just in case you're playing something like corn or something where if you roll an eight to cast bad things happen, if you roll dice that you could potentially choose a result of seven instead of eight, you'd do that instead because you don't have to pick the two highest. You pick the two you want. Mm -hmm. um, 
yeah so i think that's a really nice artifact um from nauru it's there's no wastage really in the the trait the artifact the ability um or anything so i i do quite like nauru as a glade um so yeah and then i had five um spite revenants five spite revenants five spite revenants in an outcasts battalion um which i think you'll see in pretty much every sylvaneth list because it's just the cheapest way to get lower drops and an extra artifact and cp in the list um and then i had a unit of 10 tree revenants this is the first time i've like properly used the tree revenants so um i had 10 but i hadn't painted them so this was a choice to kind of get me to paint them um and i took a household battalion which was the um branch witch a unit of tree revs and a tree lord so i had a normal tree lord in the list as well which I actually think for 180 points he's not bad um like if you want to take the household again as a battalion like i'm pretty much always taking a branch witch and the tree revs are decent i think because of the fact that they can teleport without needing woods they're a way to get somewhere where you can't get woods um and a unit of 10 of them can be good i say can because they can also be awful um <laughs> but for the points, I don't think they're an over an investment and I'm taking the branch witch anyway. So yeah, for 180 points for the tree lord to give something a bit tanky that if you roll hot can actually do a surprising amount of damage. He's an extra model that can potentially stomp to make stuff fight at the end of the combat phase. Um, I don't think he's bad and the household is just another battalion. So that let me have the three artifacts that I needed um, for the list. So, um, and then I had, um, uh, an umbral spell portal, a Balewind vortex, and the spite swarm hive for endless spells. Um, so the spite swarm, I think you'll see in most Sylvaneth lists, because plus three to move and plus three to charge um, on units wholly within eight of it. If you roll a two up, the amount of times you roll a one, <laughs> um, but it is what it is. Um, so that's really good. And then the Balewind is for the branch witch um one to increase the range of her spells but mainly just to give her a second cast um because she is casting an unbinding on three dice um and then she's got throne of vines which is the stackable plus two to cast um if she doesn't move or reset up so basically you try and get bellwind off first turn on three dice pick the two you want she's quite reliable and then you can cast another spell so then you cast throne of vines again on three dice pick the two you want it only needs a five um and you can set her up quite far back um and then you get throne of vines off and then on your next turn you can cast throne of vines again so you should be on plus four to cast rolling on three dice pick the two you want from turn two and then your second spell you can if you want you can because all the wizards know the spell to summon wildwoods now you can then summon a wildwood wholly within 30 of her or if you can get the Umbral Spell Portal cast by one of the other wizards, normally the Branch Wraith or potentially the Tree Lord Ancient on the first turn, when I don't need to cast Regrowth, because the Spell Portal only casts on a five, it's quite a reliable cast without the buffs. Um, so then you can set the Spell Portal up next to her, ready to then potentially unleash Spites, which is her damaging spell off the War Scroll for the kind of traditional Branch Witch bomb. Um, but otherwise I was actually finding most of the time I'd use it to cast, like set up a wildwood really far away. Um, because you can cast any spell through the portal. Um, I would tell my opponents 
that at the start and specifically say, look, I could cast a Wildwood through it. Um, but most people are expecting the Branch Witch Bomb and they just underestimate how far away you can set up a wood with it because you essentially gain kind of 19 inches from the spell portal and then she sets it up wholly within 30. So you can pretty much put a Wildwood anywhere on the board with it, um, which can be really handy uh, late game for getting Wildwoods where you need them to then teleport. How are you finding um, the, the new Wildwood models for gameplay? I really like them. They're they're a bit frustrating sometimes for gameplay, like trying to actually put the tree lords and stuff like that in them because you can't remove the trees. Like with the old ones, you could just take the trees out. Um, when you did need to put the trees in, you could just take them out to move models around to make it easier. But because the new one, the tree is attached and it forms part of the ring of the actual wood, you can't really take the tree away because then you're getting rid of the actual footprint of the wild wood. Okay. Um, so it can be a bit tricky to actually fit models inside if you're just using a small wood of three trees, which is all I had because I've only got one box of the new trees at the moment. Um, yep. But I love them and I really enjoyed painting them as well. So I'm going to get a couple more boxes, I think, and... I want the ability to do some woods that are up to six because there was a few Sylvaneth people there on the weekend, like Steve Houghton's a, guy, a new guy I met, um, that he was playing Sylvaneth, had a bit of a chat with him, and he had, I think, 12 of the, the new trees, so he was able to put down six big woods, uh, sorry, two big woods of up to six, and I, he had that down on uh, a table next to me over the weekend during one of my games and it's massive the footprint you can cover um which is awesome for flexibility and trying to position models and because you think your whole army like if it's in there you get cover so yeah. you can have huge units of dryads and stuff like that and actually quite realistically have them positioned spread out across a big section of the board but still gain cover and all your wildwood benefits like your opponent isn't going to want to cast spells near them potentially and stuff like that um, and just because you can be a lot more flexible with the shape, you can kind of use a lot of that fat to just fill space. Like if you, if you've cast a spell and you've got it off and there's just space and you've got the trees, you can just build out that wood and just fill the space just for the sake of it and be like, well, it's a much bigger area that your opponent has to then try and block off later on to block you being able to teleport. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's really cool. I, I I really like them and I love the models and I really enjoyed painting them. They weren't difficult, but they look great. Um, it makes a huge difference actually having the leaves on them. So I would really recommend them to anyone. Um, it, it just means now I need to, now that you don't actually really play with the trees in the old bases now, because models <clears throat> can stand where the trees are, because essentially the old bases are now supposed to represent one set of three of the the new trees the yep. ring they form is a space in the middle so okay. you're not really supposed to have like that's not supposed to block any models that space in the middle so you don't actually want trees in the old bases anymore so i think i'm gonna go and kind of green stuff or whatever just filler fill in all the holes and make my old bases just be one full complete um kind of base of grass and and flock and flowers and stuff like that rather than having these empty holes in because i was not putting the trees in over the weekend 
where I, I brought them with me and I normally would, but I was like, actually, why am I putting them in? Because you can stand models there now. Yeah. So you'd have, you could put down a wild meadow as opposed to a wood. Yeah, exactly. Potentially you could put trees around the edge. Um, but yeah, I think the the way that they've been ruled and, and practicality, you, you wouldn't really put the trees in, in them now. Um, yeah. It's kind of trying to push people to buy the new ones, <laughs> but still, but yeah. hey, you can still use the old ones. <laughs> But you can't yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is good um because i'm gonna make use of my spare trees now because i've got so many of them um and i'm gonna actually it was one thing i was talking to andrew bigwood at one point over the weekend asking him how he was going and how beth was going because she's playing nurgle now and she he was sort of saying oh she loves the trees as in the nurgle trees oh, um yeah. the feculent narmors and he was saying oh she just is like more trees dad more trees um and i sort of said oh well, yeah you could get the the wildwood trees and then if you drew around the base of the narmor um onto like mdf and just cut out a load of base essentially narmor base footprints in mdf and then put the old citadel woods in the middle and kind of then just added and green stuff. stuff tentacles and yeah. things like that to just kind of nurgle them up a bit um mm. you could make a bunch of narmors super cheap and quick and easy and um he was like oh yeah and i said well look tell you what i've got my box of all my trees under this table that i'm not using here you go and i just gave him like six trees and um he went back over to beth and i could just see him like explaining um just like mouthing and beth like looking confused and then him explaining oh well what we'll do is we'll cut out the mdf bases and blah 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 and everything and then she was just like oh my god and i just saw her reaction be like oh and then like she looked over like andrew pointed where i was and she looked over and just smiled and was like thank you and yeah it was just this really kind of sweet moment it was nice and then she gave me yeah. a packet of, mm -hmm. she gave me a packet of sweets the next day when she saw me <laughs> um wow. that's cool. so yeah that was that was a nice little moment to um to bring some joy to to her um but yeah sorry that was a long segue about wildwoods um <laughs> this tech <laughs> yes so that was that was my list essentially um try and hit stuff with Durthu and keep him alive and yeah. try and hold objectives with not that many bodies which was ultimately the flaw in the list <laughs> yeah yeah oh and two units of colonel thunders with bows i forgot about them which are okay, yeah goodness. they were still the most consistent thing over the weekend and it just solidified my nap bows bows are so good um there was a couple of times when I'm like, ah, the, da the, the damage output, obviously, once they get into combat is just lacking compared to if you had the combat ones, but I still just couldn't give up the ranged ability and, and poke that what that let me do in other games. Um, yeah, I don't know. I need to try and find some way of fitting in a block of six combat ones. I'd still go swords because that's what I've got and I like them. Um, but just to have the ability to hit to hit stuff in combat and actually do a reasonable amount of damage whilst having six bodies that have a lot of wounds and are quite resilient like rerollable saves and <laughs> if they're in cover with the three up and stuff like that um yeah. it's just the one thing that the bows do brilliantly in terms of defending but if you get charged by a big horde and they're outnumbering you they don't care that you can survive them you can't kill them fast enough with your bow shots um and yeah you've got Durthu, but he can only be in one place at a time and it just wasn't yeah it just not enough bodies um in the list ultimately i needed a block of 30 dryads i think that would have been massive in so many games yeah cool 
Well, should we go into um, but, yeah? Start talking about games. Let's do it. Cool. Well, um, I'll go first with first round. So round one, <clears throat> I um, had grudged uh, Luke Gooley from Queensland. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so yeah, we'd we'd uh, started a game together at um, Runax um, last year, but um, he had to break away uh, for an unexpected work uh, thing. So uh, I had feelings. So we decided to um, have a a graduate called a glory and um for uh, to complete our game <laughs> so yeah he he brought uh, the gloom spike gits from akshi to loon loon boss and mangus on mangler squigs with ignax scales he had loon boss on a giant cave squig with the uh, clammy cow scragrot the loon king was his general with uh the hand of gork spell very cool spell um he had a, a bogolai a brew git uh, a scaremonger and a shroomancer and a spiker. So I think that's the that's that combo of those little grot characters, the isn't it? Gobapalooza. Gobapalooza, yeah. The best. Yeah, they're such cool little models. Um, so much character in such a tiny sculpt. <laughs> and, yeah, he had five Loon Smashers fanatics, five Loon slash Smasher fanatics. Um, he had five Spore Splatter fanatics, uh, six Squig Herd, six, uh, six Squigs, <laughs> Um, 60 stabbers with the nets, 40 stabbers with the nets, and he took the other Gobapalooza battalion. So that came up to 2,000 points and extra command points. So um, our game, uh, first battle round, what was the first battle round? That was... Oh, border War. Border War, that's right. So, yeah, Border War, we set up opposite each other, and um, it's been almost two months since the tournament, so I've... The memory is a little bit hazy with most of this game, so I'll just do a rough overview. Um, it was basically I had my big bad in the middle with the Morgas Archive, pushed them up, and um, just try and do as much damage as possible to <laughs> and try and wipe away his um, his uh, units and push into his uh, territory. Um, so I think in the end there was just too much knee stabbing going on, <laughs> and uh, he was able to, over the course of three turns, I think we got to the bottom of turn three before the uh, game had before we ran out of time. Um, but by the end of that, yeah, he was able to get up on the, uh, um, and, um, take the victory. So he got, he scored 20. I scored nil. So that was a major loss to me. First game, major win to Luke first round. Um, congratulations, Luke. Uh, thanks for the, for the game and the, um, the grudge and I'm sure we'll, we'll cross paths again soon. So that was my round one. Chris, how'd you go? <laughs> Um, yeah, good. I also had a grudge. Um, I was playing Sean Bates from New Zealand because um, I wanted to get a game in against him. Uh, is, that Tubbs? Um, is that that Tubbs guy? Yeah, that Tubbs guy. No. Um, so, yeah, I, I was playing Sean and his Stormcast. Um, he didn't have his 2.5k horrific one-drop shoot-everything-off list this time, so um, he had to be a bit more cagey in his play. Um but yeah, so his list was still similar themed around the nine long strikes in an anvils list. Um, so he was also from Goran. Uh, he had Lord Arcanum as his general with Deathly Aura and Soul Thief with Azerite Halo. Uh, and then he had two Relictors with Translocation Prayers and an Azeros. And he had five Sequitors, five Judicators, five Sequitors, nine long strikes, three Aether Wings, three Aether Wings, three Aether Wings, five Hunters. 
and then six Morsar Guard as allies, which I think is a really good choice, actually, um, for that list. It gives them some combat punch, which is the thing he's missing, and also really fast bodies that he can zoom across the board that are completely self-sufficient. Like, they don't use any of his buffs or anything like that, and they're still good. Um, and that comes in at 1990. So he also had a Triumph, which, honestly, I can't remember if he used it or not. Um, but yeah, this game... Well, I went first, obviously, because I needed to try and get some woods down, get board positioning, just get five points straight off the bat, um, and basically try and position all, as much of my stuff as possible out of line of sight. And this was the one where I thought, well, his long strikes don't fly, and none of my army flies, so as long as I could sit stuff in woods more than an inch back um, from where he could drop down, then he wouldn't be able to, he wouldn't be able to see me and I could limit his damage. Um, so I ended up kind of having the Tree Lord Ancient and the Dirthu sticking out the back of a Wildwood I put on the left. Um, took me a little while to position them to try and be like, okay, you can't get me from this angle or this angle. And Tree Rev's in a long line just trying to zone out his teleports because with that double translocation on his priests, the redundancy, he can obviously only use one of them, but even if I killed one, he's got the other one. Um, to just be able to drop those long strikes down and, and move them around the board. Um, he'd put his Morsar guard really far at the back of his board edge, um, but they were the only thing that flew. Um, so I, And they were going to be a punchy threat that I didn't want coming at me and doing loads of mortal wounds at the start of the combat phase and then hitting Durthu with Ren 2 damage 2. So I, uh, I dropped down, brought my bows down, into the wood on the left objective or near the left um i positioned just so that i could get some spite revs if i brought them down wholly within six they'd get within range of the objective but my uh bow hunters could all sit in the woods so they couldn't be shot um so then i shot his morsar and i think i killed i think i killed two or possibly i killed one and then did three wounds to another i think that's what happened i didn't quite kill the second one which i was a little disappointed on but uh, still i was like i'm just going to chip away at that get the five points and then um yeah the only problem was i i just don't have many bodies in the list and i um really was quite under defended on my home objective um which obviously in border wars worth four um which is yeah i mean it was a misplay probably on my part but at the same time i couldn't get trees down there and if i positioned anything outside of the woods he'd just shoot it off so I kind of had to play around with where I could have woods and try and put bodies there. And then I guess once the long strikes were on the... Because he put them in the sky, right? So once the long strikes, were, I think, were on the table, I would then try and deal with them and then be able to move out of the woods a bit was the plan. Um, but yeah, Sean played his turn one really quite cagey. I thought he'd fly the Morsar at me, to be honest. But he... he I, th I don't think he was quite sure what he was going to do with them. I think he moved them one place and then moved them over just in front of his back home objective as well so they weren't really too much of a threat and then he dropped his long strikes um back on his side as well um and then just shot um shot stuff off the side he basically just sh dropped his judicators and long strikes and pretty much any of my units of spike revenants that i'd used to just claim the two middle objectives he just sh shot them off moved ether wings forward to claim those objectives um and then he dropped five sequiturs um to try and like just in the middle of the board to then try and get to my home objective 
Um, he failed the charge first turn, so he didn't get it the first turn, but I didn't have very many bodies there. Um, anyway, so he, it was 5-5, five, five, which is how I expected the first turn to go. And then he won the priority for turn two. And then I was realizing, oh, there's a huge mistake here because of where I'd pushed the spites and stuff out to, meaning that when he dropped the first turn nine away, he wouldn't have been able to drop them close to get an angle to shoot like my Durthu and Ancient and stuff like that on the left. But because he'd had his first turn, he there was then this big hole where when he got priority, he could have just translocated his Raptors into like the middle of the board and they would have been able to see straight across to Durthu and the Tree Lord Ancient. And I was just waiting for him to do it. Um, he got the translocation off. And then and I could see him planning and I was like, yep. Like I was just in my head. I was like, yeah, he just puts it there. He can shoot Durthu off. He can, And it's going to be pretty much like the game's going to be very quick from here, which is to be honest, kind of the sort of thing I wanted. Um, okay. Because I was thinking like, that's, that's what I said going into it was I wanted quick games that I'd either win quick or lose quick. And I was fine with that. Um, but yeah, so I, um, he didn't, I think he was going to, and then he changed his mind and he played quite cagey and he kept them back on his half and just um, started shooting. Um, I don't think, I can't even really think what he shot, to be honest, that turn. Um, it wasn't a lot because most of the stuff he could shoot was in the, um, was in the trees. Um, but he sent the Morsar, that's right, he sent the Morsar towards my um, Branch Witch, who was sitting behind some Dryads. Um, meanwhile, he put the um, Sequiturs, he moved them into range of my objective and charged just the five Spike Revs that were sitting there. Um, so he, he had my objective um, from the second turn. Um, and... The Morsar actually really fluffed into the Dryads, which surprised me, and then I slowly killed them. The Morsar were really underwhelming, to be honest, um, against the Dryads and the minus one to hit. Um, and after losing a couple, they just didn't do much. Um, like the Dryads actually survived, and the champion took one down, and then I think I started fighting him with Tree Revenants and was eventually fighting them down to one or two. Um, but, yeah, basically... Um, I then did the thing that I talked about with my list where I think my turn two, I got the spell portal off and put a wildwood right at the back of the board um, on his backboard edge um, and then teleported all three of my tree lords. So the tree lord, the Durthu and the ancient all over to his backboard edge nine away um, from like his Azeros and uh, that was off to the side and then his like sequiturs and uh, relictor and went in for my charges and i think i made i don't know if i made all three i made two of them though i got the charge in with dirthu and i got the charge in with the no i think i made all three i think i made all three charges i got the charge in with dirthu and then i put the ancient and the tree lord into the azeros um but it still there are only two models well dirthu was one model it wasn't going to be enough to clear his objective with the relictor i had to i split attacks that's right between the unit of five sequiturs and the relictor because if I killed all of it, I would have claimed it. Um, I did kill the Relictor, and then I got... I rolled one on one of my attacks with the sword onto the Sequiturs, which dropped that off to wound. So that dropped that off, and then I had... Because I was damaged 12, so I just had to get two through. And then on the two armor saves, he rolled a six on one of them, so saved it. So one 
so he lost three but still had two left so it was his two models to my one so he held it for another turn um and then i think he got the prior yeah he got turn three priority again which meant he was able to just retreat out and uh, move long strikes into range as well and then that turned the long strike shot off um they shot off Durthu, i think and then uh yeah basically it, it, it was pretty much game at that point anyway he um he had my home objective and i had no way of taking it back um because i had had to send my hitting power to his and his long strikes had shot that down i was shooting with my bows into his long strikes and eventually took them down to one model or killed them and uh, and stuff on the side but sean just got way too far ahead on points um me losing my home objective straight away was just the bad play i should have tried to bunker down but i just knew that there was no wood there so he'd have been able to just shoot me with long strikes and i they Kernoth hunters can't take that punishment they can't re-roll their saves in shooting and stuff like that and it, it, they just would have dropped and i'd have had no defense and output anyway so that's the way i thought i'd play it but to be honest i thought sean was probably going to get the game because he had ether wings to just chaff up charges and, and things like that but i had a crack at him on his home objective with Durthu and the ancient had some fun killed a load of shit by the end of it and um we had a good game i just wanted to to play someone fun so um yeah that was a good game but it was a uh a one one nineteen um major loss to me um but yeah that was my first game nice good start to the Beth had a good start to the, the tournament there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so round two. Um, oh, God, Chris, you're going to have to help me out. I can't remember the scenarios. Star Strike. So, Star Strike. Okay, cool. And very aptly played uh, Mr. Rob Bromley, who came up from uh, come, came up from Victoria. So he had a ser Seraphon list. Um, this is before the new book. Um, is there a new book out yet? No. No, no. It's it almost was. If it was, you'd have heard a lot about it. Yeah, I think it got um, we got some leaks of the terrain that weekend. Um, but yeah, so he got Seraphon from Gairan. Uh, he had a Slan Starmaster as his general with the Great Rememberer and the Meteorotic Convocation spell. Uh, Saurus Blood, Saurus Old Blood on Carnosaur with the Dire Strike artifact. Engine of the Gods with the Green Glade Flask, and he had a Skink. Star Priest with the Meteoric Convocation spell as well. Uh, ten Skinks, Ten Skinks, Ten Skinks. Six Croxigore with Moonhammers. Uh, Stegodon and a Bastilodon. And he had the Thunderquake Starhost and the Pendulum. Um, so, yeah, that was his list. Starstrike. Um, so, Rob and I, we'd actually played um, a game with each other at, at Border Wars last year. And he had his... Yeah, he had his um, Seraphon for that um, as well, so for that uh, tournament as well. So it was really, it's really good to uh, have another game with him. So we're very, very similar in our in our gaming sort of approach, mentalities, uh, style, and and all that sort of stuff. So we just had a great time, just um, just had a really having a really fun close game um, with as with the Star Strike. You know, it always. Um, you know, it, it, it it's random with where with where the stars can fall, so it can really swing your in your favor very quickly or against you very quickly as well. Um, but yeah, we managed to. It sort of had a nice spread across the table, just um, from memory, and yeah, it was very very close. We actually ended up scoring um, ten all in that game with, with the. I think there was a very very slim margin uh, with um, 
with uh, kill points between us, so I was able to actually pull out a minor minor win there. Um, but it was it was a draw, like on points and everything, and it, we just had a lot of fun just with the to and fro. Like we had some great showdowns, like some great moments with the, um, especially with the Croxigore, just like kicking some serious butt, and um, you know the the Morgask carving up a storm, and the you know the Bastilodon just tanking out like as as it always does, and um, yeah, it was just a really fun, cool, uh, good game, and uh, it was good to play again, Rob, if you're listening, and um, yeah, it was quite interesting because from that point onwards, um, when we went into round three, we actually were actually. I'll tell that story after you t- t- tell your um, round two. So yeah, that was my round two. Uh, a lot of fun, Star Strike with um, with Rob, and a minor win to me, but extremely, extremely close and fun game. So yeah, yeah, cool. Um, that's cool. I didn't realize you got to play someone that you played at another tournament again, and it's good that you've got similar styles and you had enjoyed it and yeah that sounds like an interesting seraphon list as well um yeah it was cool so that's cool um so for my game too i played dan brown who knew he's not just a novelist of such works as the da vinci code and inferno um <laughs> but also plays warhammer apparently uh, <laughs> sorry dan i'm sure you get that joke all the time um from dickheads like me um but no so i played dan who i think is a relatively new player um he was playing nurgle uh, a nurgle archaeon list with uh, a blight cyst in it um with a 10 5 5 of blight kings um and then the usual kind of heroes um that you get with that so a sorcerer um and then i think he he also had a chaos lord of nurgle um and then um yeah the the lord of blights as well and yeah archaeon and this was scary new archaeon with rend 2 slayer kings um and very consistent profile of twos and threes for a lot of his attacks i think he's got four attack profiles that if you do max damage with all of them each of them do does 12 so you can potentially do 48 damage um so um yeah he i think he just played against sylvaneth in his first game because he was like oh trees again i don't think he'd had a great experience um i'm not sure which list that was though um but yeah i uh we played and i um went first um as i want to do um and yeah got trees down in some good locations obviously didn't want to play super aggressive or anything not knowing where the objectives were going to come down yet um but basically i was like well the only thing in my list that can kill archaeon is Durthu. um so i need to make sure he doesn't die but i also need to be able to use him so uh i put a wood down kind of towards the middle ish and then put a unit of colonel thunders with bows on the edge of the wood um and then put Durthu behind that um so that he was within three inches of the front but outside of um two inches for range of attacks from archaeon and um basically um kind of was like well archaeon's probably gonna charge that um i hoped he would charge it um and then i hoped i would get a stomp off and then make archaeon fight last which i did yay um like death is literally the only thing on my list that could kill archaeon and archaeon could kill everything in my list so I was worried. I was worried that he would just use Archeon and kill the rest of my army and basically ignore Durthu. But I had a feeling if I put him out there, he 
it was kind of the middle of the board and it was everything else had played quite far back so he could move forward on his turn one and go for a charge into it and i figured if he could he would and he did um so yeah he charged into the colonel thunders who obviously were going to re-roll their saves Dirthu was within three so start the combat phase i roll my four up and stomp i stomp on archaeon to make him go last <laughs> and then um i'd shot him i think i took like three or four wounds off archaeon on the first turn with my bow hunters shooting um and then he came in and then i did my five attacks twos reroll ones but rerolling sixes to hit archaeon because of his eye of ed sheeran and then twos to wound and i got three through i believe um or maybe i got four i'm trying to think how many um but anyway i think i did i might have got four or all five of them actually were successful but then archeon because he has a like three up save um i think he was re-rolling ones so he was five up save re-rolling ones he failed three so he took 18 damage from Durthu, which was pretty nice i must say um <laughs> so he was awesome. he was he only had yeah like three three or four wounds left because uh, that was the i think the realmscape feature on that one was you pick a hero and they gain one That's extra true. wound yeah. so he had 21 wounds on arcane on that game and my Durthu had 13 wounds um but yeah so after turn one i think he his archaeon had taken like 18 wounds um and then i think he won the priority um but stayed in combat with archaeon rather than retreating him out um i don't think i stomped on him that turn um so archaeon i think did some i think he killed he wiped the unit of colonel thunters i think still just with his attacks and swords and stuff he wiped out the unit of bows even with like two or three wounds he healed a few but then obviously dirthu swung back and took archaeon off so i archaeon was dead by turn two um and dirthu dirthu was on full health um and then basically just started tearing into all of his his blight kings the tree lord was on the other side holding up his unit of 10 blight kings um and because he's in the household he couldn't retreat even if he wanted to so the tree lord was just holding him slowly killing blight kings and then basically Durthu killed other blight kings and then he got one unit of blight kings into my ancient who started killing his way through them um because all my tree lords were three up re-rolling ones because of i made sure i had kernoth hunters on the other side by the tree lord to bubble the command ability from the tree lord ancient mm -hmm. um so my whole army was pretty resistant to to blight king attacks and when i was getting stomps off on most of the units so he was having to go last so i'd hit him first and kill two or three blight kings so um yeah it was it was quite a one-sided game like i mean after he lost arke on turn two for very little return um yeah. and then the the star strike in the middle dropped basically where that dirthu combat had been so it was favorable for me and then one of them dropped his one dropped back in the left hand corner so he just put some plague bearers on it and i was like that's fine um i went and got it later on with my tree i did a tree rev teleport and went and took that later and then the other one dropped back where my ancient was so he he couldn't really get to them um and i think he called it turn four he hadn't killed much of my stuff i'd obviously killed most of his in terms of kill points i got my secondary um he hadn't got his and so i got a 20 nil for my second game so that was a nice nice quick win and that that was done 
we had at least an hour left to go so that was yeah that was a good game dan was a nice guy and um yeah that was a good fun game i got to kill an rk on with Durthu, which was sweet oh yeah <laughs> epic moment just good old-fashioned giant sword yeah but when it hits it's so satisfying <laughs> you just look at your opponent and you're like 24 damage yep however but does he have an after save for those archeon no he gets a mortal wound save but yeah right <laughs> i found his um achilles heel <laughs> so all right so round three so round three the draws came up and rob romilly and, and myself were actually drawn again <laughs> oh right yeah so it was just it, it, i realized at the time i thought oh it's a glitch obviously because it was such a close game but um, in hindsight and realizing later that uh, I'd actually made a mistake entering in the scores. So I'd put in a draw instead of putting in a minor win. So I think that might have thrown a little bit of a spanner there. And so it paired us up again, maybe. I don't know if that's how it works, but I feel like that's probably why or might contribute to why. Um, so we, we rushed down to see Clinton. Um, we were like, yeah, we got drawn again, blah, blah, blah. Um, so solution was to, um, we went up and I had to, we had to choose between Jet and another fellow. I think his name was James, James Laird, who actually ended up playing again later <laughs> in the tournament. Uh, so they were getting set up, ready to play the game. And then, um, just after a quick shuffle, I, um, I asked if I could play Jet. <laughs> so <laughs> I managed to get, um, score with, uh, get a score a game with Jet. So we hadn't played since Sydney Slaughter. Um, last year, and um, I was the buy buster, um, and to my everlasting shame, um, got a major victory and tabled him uh, with my buy buster list at um, Sydney Slaughter last year. <laughs> so <coughs> it's completely unintentional, um, but um, uh, I think he had his KO at that point. That's when KO was at a bit of a a lower point, but anyway, um, by the by, so it was a rematch as a chance for um, Jet to stop my ass again. So he he brought uh, his uh, Ogre More Tribes list. So he had the Blood Gullet More Tribe uh, with a Tyrant uh, with the nice drop off the red, nice drop of the red stuff trait. Uh, he had the Splatter Cleaver artifact, and he had a big name which was um, Fate Seeker. Um, he had a Slaughtermaster with the Shrunken Priest head, Butcher with a Cleaver, 12, 12 Ogre Gluttons, 12 Ogre Gluttons, um, 4 Iron Guts, 4 Lead Belchers, 4 Lead Belchers, 2 Frost Sabers, 2 Frost Sabers, and Gormand was the uh, Battalion. So I think this was Escalation from memory, because the Diagonal uh, Deployment. And no, this was Blood and Glory. Blood and glory. Oh God. Um, yeah. So we, we set up, I know, terrible, terrible this time around. I don't have my um, booklet with me. <laughs> um, I'm just going off the down under pairings, but yeah, so we set up and we both played very cagey cause it was a, it was a matter of like whoever got the charge first, um, would just wreck face cause everyone knows ogre gluttons are deadly and they are deadly, <laughs> especially when you got two units of 12. Um, pairs of clubs or blades. Um, we both knew that, yeah, if my Archai got in first, that it would be um, hell to pay and vice versa. So 
up until about turn three, I think it was, turn three, maybe even into turn four, we were still facing off in our lines across from the table and he was kind of manoeuvring around a bit with his, um, with his, uh, you know, his shooting and stuff like that to try and, uh, you know, whittle me down a bit before we, we got in there and uh, got to the point where, yeah, sure enough, he <laughs> got myself into a position where he was able to um, get the charge in and, of course, he failed a couple of those charges, so it was completely exposed. Um, and, yeah, we got we got to grips and there's a little bit of carnage, but in the end I think his ogres were able to really get some um, punishment in on the um, on the on the archive and on, on my units and it got down to the point in the game where it was pretty much Arkan the black was like my my best resource so I had to sort of pull this little little trick out of my hat where I you know a curse of years off a unit then flew over and um, took an, an objective it left exposed and then was able to fly over and sort of cap another one but it wasn't enough to um, to win me the game uh, but it, it did I did, was able to deny him a major victory. Um, so he got the minor win on that one. Um, Jet, <laughs> mate, you got, your, you got your revenge. It was bittersweet. I could tell um, it was a little bit bittersweet there. But, um, mate, those Ogre Moor tribes are heaps of fun. You are a fun dude to play um, Warhammer with. So it was great to um, have a game with you again, mate. And, um, yeah, those... Was, those was, he, do, was he doing lots of voices and impressions? Yeah, you know that's yeah. something I found uh, about Jet actually at the weekend. Is he's actually very good at impressions. He yeah, does a just, he does a lot of the not bad good size, um, yeah. and yeah. and just generally other voices. But he's actually yeah he's pretty good at them. Um, and he's also like um very very clear about what he's doing as well. Very articulate when he's actually when it comes down to explaining what he's doing, what his army does, and things like that. So um, that's good. It's just real good to play. Um, and, good yeah. to know. Good to know. He can do something because he can't fucking wash up. I can tell you that. Oh. <laughs> Little jettles. I felt jettles. like his bloody mother that weekend. I have to say. <laughs> oh yeah. So um, yeah. love you, Jet. Love you, Jet. Yeah. Congrats, mate. You got your re revenge. I, I. There was this point when I sort of thought, oh, should I just, should I just let him have the the major here and just like not fly arc arcing around and try and do some shenanigans and I thought, no, nah, I'm gonna do it. I'm playing the game, read a tournament. <laughs> so but anyway, that was that was my third game of the day. Um yeah, how about oh score for that uh in the end was Jet sixteen, me four. So well done Jet. Uh on a minor oh because he He got some of his um he got his secondaries and denied me and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, let me just. I played Ken Van Ship, um, which was oh, cool. Yeah. Um, because we played at the last tournament we've been to, which was uh, Sydney GT two and a half k, and um, Ken was actually my only loss at Sydney GT. So I was, I was keen to try and get some revenge, although not super confident because he was playing Slanesh, um, <laughs> again, and they are still good, um. However, I was like wondering if I could, because he can make me fight last um, at the end of the charge phase, but then at the start of the combat phase, not as part of my activation, I can make him fight last. So then if I still charge him, then I get to go first. So it's this weird thing where I was kind of like, well, I can still potentially actually fight before his keepers, et cetera, et cetera, if I can get my stomps off and 
or he fails his locuses and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so he had Slanesh with an invader's host. He had a Keeper of Secrets general with the Sinistrous Hand, Glory Hog uh, trait, and then the Rod of Misrule artifact um, with Progeny of Damnation spell, and then another Keeper um, who counts as a general because invaders is the one where they have three generals. Uh, and whenever the other generals die, they get a CP, I think. Um, but importantly, they can't use, none of them can use command abilities if they're within 12 of another general. So they all, they're basically all like, I'm the leader. No, I'm the leader. No, I'm the leader. So you get like three leaders, but if any of them are near each other, they basically squabble and can't do shit. <laughs> uh, so then the second one had the thermal rider cloak to make it super fast. And then born of damnation spell. And then he had a two blade bringer heralds on exalted chariots. Um, one with Born of Damnation again, one with Hysterical Frenzy, and one of those was the third general. Um, and then he had 30 Demonettes, 20 Demonettes, and five Hellstriders. And then they were in the he had the Supreme Cyberites Battalion, which is all the heroes. Um, and then the Wheels of Excruciation, Endless Spell. Uh, and then the Mesmerizing Mirror, and that was exactly 2k. Um, so this was interesting because obviously it was one where you don't score points, um, and it's just if you can control effectively from the end of the second battle round if you've got yeah. all four you win um but otherwise it comes down to who's got more and stuff like that so i kind of thought well i can i'm going to try and bunker on both but if i need to i can just kind of give up on i can over defend one and under defend the other and try and maybe get it back later or something um but basically i um i set back stuff this was a good thing about deployment of knowing like going, okay, what's the threat range on your keepers? Um, like I know we're at least 24 apart, and I was saying, okay, so if this one moves 14, if I'm 26, like it can't run and charge, so if I'm 26.1, like if I just go more than two inches back or whatever from my deployment, you can't declare a charge against me turn one. The other one, I was like, okay, I'd have to be six inches back, but I could wait to see where he put him down first as well, so I was just kind of counter deploy stuff but my bows have obviously got a 30 inch range so i made sure that on both sides i put a unit of bows down at the front um within 30 of his keepers because he split them up and put one on each side and then the two kind of exalted chariots in the middle um and then he had 20 demonettes on one side with the five hellstriders towards the back and then the 30 demonettes on the other side with the other keeper um and yeah basically i kind of held stuff back was like there's no point pushing forward turn one at all i was just going to try and play kg and i had kind of dirthu and stuff um because he had no shooting so i didn't need to worry about being in trees to like defend against shooting or anything like that um like line of sight so um i just kind of set up with my tree lords and stuff safe but within um i actually set them back outside of three i think initially in case he got some charges off because his keepers do actually have a range of three on some of their claws i think um and um his locus is within six so i kind of didn't want to get locus i thought if he comes in and he's in kernoths then i can maybe go in later and try and take him out two on one or something like that um but basically the first turn it was just the bow hunters in range it was very quick each of the one unit shot into one keeper the other unit shot into the other keeper um did like two wounds to one 
two wounds or three wounds to another. And then his hero phase, he casts his spells and heals them up. And it's just like, thanks, got some depravity. <laughs> um, and then pushed up in, pushed up into the middle of the board because he kind of has to come at me, right? Um, I've got shooting, he doesn't. He's got a good combat army with bodies, so he's just going to run at me. Um, so he ran into the middle of the board. Um, obviously couldn't make any charges or anything like that, but pushed up into the middle. And then I won turn two priority. And then I shot. I pushed up, moved my Durthu up, ready. Um, but I kind of wanted to be half kg on the right-hand side with him. So I was sort of trying to decide whether I wanted to keep him back and bubble wrap with Kurnoths and not try and charge or whether I wanted the option to charge. And in the end, I kind of half... I did kind of both, so I sort of put him off to one side so that I wasn't wrapped from the keeper if he came into me, but I was using the bow hunters to kind of defend me against the two chariot charges on the side, like coming in from the middle. Um, but basically, Ken had pushed forward going, well, my shooting doesn't really do a lot, turn one, because it hadn't. But then turn two, because he was then in range of my Tree Lord Ancient and my Tree Lord on the left-hand side, and then my Durthu on the right-hand side, as well as the two units of bow hunters. Durthu's basically a unit of bow hunters on his own. And then the Tree Lord has five shots that are pretty consistent, like twos and threes, rend one, damage one. And then the Tree Lord Ancient's got a single shot that's D6 damage as well, that's like twos and threes. And bearing in mind, I reroll ones to hit. Um, then my shooting in turn two was a lot more effective. I did um, 30. With the bow hunters and Durthu, I did 13 out of the 14 wounds to the keeper on the right-hand side. So he was—he only had one wound left, and he'd moved him running through the middle. He was standing next to volcanic terrain, <sighs> which we will come back to. Um, <laughs> and then the keeper on the other side, I think I shot down to like six wounds, and then I charged the tree lord in um, and did the thing that i hoped was he obviously then locust my tree lord and then i stomped his um keeper so we both had to go last but because it was my turn i would go before his keeper um but he had his demonettes there which i had charged that it was the demonettes i'd had to charge so he got quite a few of them wrapped around me but i was like well they've got no well they have rend but i was like i've got a three up save re-rolling ones and I kind of thought he shouldn't really do that much to me. But Ken was like, no, I'm going to... I think Ken thought he was going to kill me. Um, but then he rolled it out and he didn't kill me. He did like... I think he did three wounds to me. Three or four wounds after everything. Because what we realized is he went to do... Because uh, he was like, oh, ready to do command ability to double pile in. And then I measured the chariot that he'd moved in the middle when he'd moved everything forward and he'd put the chariot, which was the general and the other keeper within 12. And I was like, you can't use command abilities. And he was like, Oh, bugger. So he couldn't double pile in, but then he also was like, Oh, well, I'm going to reroll ones to hit. And then I was like, you can't, it's a command ability. And then he was like, Oh shit. So I was like, yes. Okay. And then, yes. Yeah, so then I only took like three or four wounds from these demonettes and then attacked back into the keeper with my range three attacks and because uh he'd only dropped me down one tier i still had three but i pushed up my true lord ancient to make sure i was in range to get reroll ones to hit um and then i got a 
I think I got two through and then rolled 11 for the damage and I just took off his keeper. <laughs> so I killed the keeper on that side and then his demonettes obviously couldn't retreat from the tree lord because it was part of the household and they were in the middle of the board. So I was like, this is perfect. I can now just get on his back objective. He's going to get stuck on that tree lord. Um, he can't double pile in over there because I killed the keeper. Um, and then on the right, um, Durthu and stuff was still alive. It then went to his hero phase, and I said volcanic. He rolled the six. It didn't matter what he rolled because it only had one wound left, and his keeper on that side died <laughs> at, the t at the top of three. <laughs> Sorry, the top the top of his turn two. So both his keep both his keepers were dead, um, and I had sent oh, my tree. I'd sent my tree revs um, to teleport to his backside on that, and had gone into combat with the five hellstriders, and I killed. I think I killed three of them and then was like, oh, they're fine for Battleshock. And then Ken was like, no. And I was like, they're Bravery 10. He's like, no, they're mortal. They're Bravery 6 or something. And so then he rolled a 6 and the other two ran away. So, <laughs> like, I'd taken that objective. Yep. So Ken was just, like, looking at it going, I can't win now, can I? And I was like, to be honest, no. Like, you, I will beat you from this point. So he kind of was just like played the turnout, tried the charges. He just looked at it and said, "Well, I'll see if I can get my secondary, which he'd picked kill three of my units in a single turn." Okay. Yep. And so, just with the exalted chariots um, and the demonettes and stuff, he just basically was like, "Okay, well, I can charge into dryads on that side. I can charge into dryads on the other side, and then I can go and charge into like spite revenants or whatever with this block of demonettes." And we were just like, yeah, cool, let's do that. He went in, did all three combats, killed those three units, and then I, I, with the other stuff I had there, I was kind of half striking back and wounding them anyway. But we had already were like, nah, that'll be the game. He's not going to get a 1,000 kill points. I am. I'm going to get the win. Um, I'll get my secondary. He won't get his. Uh, he'll get his. And that was the game, and I got an 18-2 with, again, like an hour, hour and 15 left to go. So I was super stoked to get to get the the victory in vengeance against Ken, um, especially against <laughs> Slanesh. And um, yeah, it was a really fun game. It was really cool. He obviously made that big mistake with positioning with the two generals in, in within 12 of each other. Um, but we were talking about it afterwards and he was like, what, could, what, what do you think I could have done differently? And I was like, to be honest, I don't really, other than that, I don't think he did anything wrong. He had to move forward um, from, from where stuff was. He had to move forward. It was just that my... It came into range. Me, if he'd got the priority turn too, it would have been a very different game. But I got it, and then my shooting turns on, and then, yeah, like if my yeah. stomp hadn't worked, and yeah, it could have gone a few different ways. But um, it was actually kind of a good matchup for my list, and it worked. And yeah, it was a it was a fun game. It was cool. Um, it was nice knowing both the keepers were dead at the start of his second turn, and my stuff wasn't, which is always nice. Um, and yeah, so it was a, a, a solid win. So it suddenly I'd gone from a loss expecting nothing but losses for the whole weekend to two pretty convincing major wins. So um, yeah, that wrapped up my my day one. Nice. Yeah, very cool. So what did, what did you get to on, um, on Saturday night? Did you go out anywhere? I did. Saturday night was a big night. Um, although not <laughs> not as not quite as big for me as it was for some people. Um, it but no, 4 it wasn't four AM at the strippers. Big, not quite. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no. So we a bunch of us went to uh, one of the pubs, uh, kind of in central Canberra, um, 
I spoke to a bunch of the guys beforehand that I think the D3 Mortal Wounds boys were going there. So then I kind of said to a few groups and a few people that I'd been chatting to in the day, like Steve was one of them. And I just said, okay, we're all going to, I think it was Civic Pub or something. Um, so we all, there was probably like 20 or so of us all went to this um, pub, Civic Pub and had dinner and chatted. And I was probably there for a couple of hours. And then um, uh, me and Liam then got in an Uber and went off to meet uh, the Dwellers Boys, um, who had gone to, I think it's called Reload. Um, so it's like a video games kind of bar. It's like next to or just around the corner from Mooseheads. The famous Mooseheads I'd heard so much about, the Canberra Student Union like nightclub um, bar. So, yeah, we, we got to yeah Reload and... Um, the guys were sitting out front. Um, obviously, Joe, Pag Joe Pagano's there from Rage of Sigma. Dwellers boys are there. Um, Nick Legrand was there. Randy's there. Um, and yeah, we just uh, started getting on. Started getting on the drinks. Um, went inside, ordered this drink that I thought was like a full size drink because it's got like it was like cider plus spirit and spirit and spirit. The chicks like pouring stuff into a glass for a bit, and I looked down, and then she's like pouring these tiny little part shots into one shot glass of like layering stuff up then gives me this drink and i was just like is that it she's like it's a shot and i was like oh i thought it was a drink uh okay so then i like looked at their cocktail list and just ordered something it was well it was like a harley joker and harley quinn or something because this bar is like all themed video games and nerd culture and stuff like that so all of their cocktails were like named after like things from like smash bros and donkey kong and yeah, so there was this Joker and Harley Quinn thing, and I was like, yeah, that sounds nice. Sure, I'll have that. And then just do this shot at the bar as a like aperitif. Um, uh, and then, uh, yeah, so then they take ages making this other drink, end up putting, like, green liquid into a syringe and then red liquid into another syringe and then, like, mixing some of it into two glasses. And I was just like, what the hell is this? Ends up being, like, $20. And then... I go outside and everyone's like looking at me and I'm like, okay, let's just fuck these two glasses, poured both of them into one. And then was like, all right, let's just get these syringes in my mouth. But they hadn't put the end in one of them properly. So then I was trying to press it down into my mouth, but it wouldn't actually plunge. So then it just looked like a fucking idiot getting like red stuff started to spray out the side. And I was like, oh, screw this. So I just poured it all into the glass, just drank this drink and was like very little alcohol in that for how much it was. And I was like, okay, I'm not, not buying any more drinks from this place. Like the fancy <laughs> drinks are not worth it. Um, sorry, sorry, reload. <laughs> but fancy. yeah, that was definitely a student take the <laughs> take the piss rip off bar um anyway so then we went to mooseheads and then mooseheads was great i mean <laughs> terrible but great sticky flowers um, good times <laughs> it was so good like as a as a father of a, a one-year-old i've not been out for a while and i don't really go out that much now and mooseheads was just brilliant like just being off off duty for the weekend and just hanging out with everyone, just having a laugh. I love Jaeger bombs for anyone that doesn't know. Um, if you're at a venue with me and they sell Jaeger bombs, I would very much appreciate one. Thanks. Um, but I, I love a Jaeger bomb. So then I go to the bar hoping they have Jaeger bombs. To my delight, find out they're only $4. So then immediately I'm like, I'll have five. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, basically we just, uh, the, um, 
like tubs and baits were there as well and there was just this big group of us um just getting on the Jager bombs drinks in general kept going to the dance floor the dj was playing some proper tunes i have to say the music was on point um the dance floor was a sweaty mess is all i will say but it was fucking brilliant i had such a good time there's videos i think made it onto facebook and twitter and stuff and um yeah we're just dancing away and drinking and just having a laugh in general um i was making jokes with morgan at the start of the night that we're just sitting there as uh, two dads like showing each other pictures of our kids on our phones on the couches in the corner but <laughs> actually we were we were up on that well i was smorgan did mainly sit on the couch but i was uh up on the dance floor with most of the boys um till gone one in the morning i think and then they were like went outside and said right should we go to the strip club and i was like right that's my key to leave i'm going home so i got mm -hmm. an air i got a uh uber just back to the airbnb got home at like 1 30 quarter to two i think went to bed and then uh i think they all had a good time at the strippers liam got home at 4 30 i think um i think the others yeah, didn't liam, i think liam was working there wasn't he yeah <laughs> yeah totally um <laughs> but yeah i think the others like joe and randy potentially i think stayed till 5 a.m. or something when the strippers closed and then they just went and got breakfast and didn't go home and sleep um i think to be to be fair to him smorgan smorgan did stay out for that i think um so they were yeah less sharp in the morning yeah. i was i was all right i was i don't really get hangovers but i was tired i'd had three pretty late nights yeah. in a row i was tired but i was all right i was more just feeling like eh because i could never eat in the morning at tournaments but i know i have to yeah um yeah i just but yeah i'm, so at, I'm was... at the i'm at the point now and i'm at the age now where if i go out and do that sort of thing and then try to play warhammer the next day i just no it's just not it's not <laughs> gonna happen it's not gonna happen for me but yeah um, so that was that was my my saturday night how about you what did you get up to um well to be honest i was feeling a bit um ill but at the end of um end of that day um i had been coming off the back of um breathing in nothing but poisonous fumes and hazardous um air for the last uh, two weeks in the lead up just because of all the the smoke and everything down in canberra is pretty um pretty shit house um so by the end of that day i was feeling pretty rat shit so i just thought i'll just go home i was considering going out for dinner and stuff but i was just like no nah, i just need to go home and sleep so that was me that's what i did <laughs> when i'm asleep then i woke up early the next day had a nice uh, you know, had a nice breakfast and came refreshed and ready to go for day two. <laughs> did you, did you have a, did, did, you, have a, thing. did you have Probably. a Queensland, did you have a Queensland breakfast again? A Queensland breakfast? <laughs> yeah. Where you found some cafe that wasn't equipped to do breakfast and then ordered all the proper I food. I just, I, I just did it at home. <laughs> oh yeah. True. I keep yeah, forgetting. I had, I had, I had, I had home. home, I had home ground, like home, home ground advantage. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's it. Very, not very exciting. Um, but anyway, so into day two. So yeah, I've, do you wanna do you wanna have another quick break and then? Um, yeah, let's we'll, have a break uh, and we'll, we'll go come back and do day, day two. two. Yeah.
Okay, so we're back now to talk about day two. So day two, I drew up Jono Inga. So he's a, another Canberra local. So he brought uh, yeah. his corn allegiance. So he's from the realm of Gur. Um, Slaughter Host, Reapers of Vengeance. He had Unfettered Fury Bloodthirster with Skull Shard Mantle. And he had the Mage Eater Command Trait. Um, he had the Insensate Rage Bloodthirster with Amberglaive. So that's a Gur Realm artifact. He had a Slaughter Priest, uh, sorry, two Slaughter Priests. Uh, one with the Bronzed Flesh Prayer and one with the Killing Frenzy Prayer. He had the Blood Secretor, um, two into five Blood Warriors, three into ten Blood Reavers, and five Wrathmongers, the Gore Pilgrim, Gore Pilgrims um, Battalions. And he had the Hex Gorgeous Skulls. So that came up to 970 points total. Um, the scenario was Places of Arcane Power. And so that was the diagonal deployment and with heroes scoring. So it was a, actually a good, this was a good matchup for me because all my um, practice games with this list, I'd won each, like I'd won every game um, that I'd played uh, yeah, practicing for places of arcane power. So I was confident and I knew exactly what I needed to do. Um, I was a bit daunted. Oh, that's right. He, yeah, he had his hand in there as well. So I was a bit daunted by the Scarbrand and, and the Bloodthirsters. But, um, yeah, so uh, turn one, I took uh, – he gave me first turn from memory. And so I got the Vampire Lord, Zombie Dragon, um, across the table into a turn one charge into his uh, lines on the left side. Um, was able to get in range with the Moor on his Blood Secretor. And, um, yeah, in that first round of combat, first turn, I think, was able to take off that Blood Secretor. And um, that was, yeah, that was a real blow for his army because, as everyone knows, the, the Blood Secretor is quite a pivotal um, piece for buffs in the in, in the Corn army. Um, so I was pretty chuffed to got, I'd done that because, you know, never get a chance to really get the Blood Secretors off. Um, but yeah, a bit of a uh, like a mistake there for Jono in in his deployment of that of that piece there. But um, hey ho, that's what what happens sometimes. <laughs> um, I'm certainly guilty of it. <laughs> but yeah, so that was a good start for me. Um, so the Vampire Zombie Dragon took that objective on that on that side, and um, then Scarbrand. So then up came into the center the. The six more gas came up in the center to defend the middle objective because that's where I wanted to put uh, the the Coven Throne. I wanted her to take the center one. Um, so facing off was uh, Scarbrand. <laughs> Scarbrand came in and did a whopping, oh, did some ridiculous thing like twenty four wounds or something like that. Um, he rolled a couple of sixes there. Or I think it was for all sixes. It just does a flat eight wounds or something. Sixteen mortals. 16 models yeah so he 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 did that he did that thing <laughs> um and took off i think four of the morgas four out of the six morgas in one in one hit so it must have been more than 24 <laughs> but um yeah so that was that was interesting <laughs> but um in return they're able to like to knock him back um down enough in a round of combat and then for the um come throne to pile in and um, finish him off. So she claimed um, Skybrand's scalp because I knew I had to kill him, otherwise he was going to come back with a with a vengeance. <laughs> so that secured the center objective for me. Um, 
so it came to the point i think yeah i think i only had i had three more guys left but they were kind of holding down the center and keeping things back um they were just you know slicing through his um his warriors like butter pretty much and um the i had a unit of chain rust coming in on the left that were kind of work, working their way across with the smaller characters and things um it got to the point where oh yeah i kind of took the the left and the far corner um, with some chain rust um, supporting him he had two units so they're kind of protecting him and um, just act as speed bumps so it just got to that point in the game where i was up on the points on all three objectives and um it was just a battle then for um for him for Jono to to basically just try and deny points and try and at least get get up on some i think he, he did have one of the objectives at one point the memory is a little bit hazy at that at the moment but he yeah it came to the point where he, he realized he just had to send his bloodthirsters over and try and kill um like i think even eventually he took the center killed the coven throne and he had to leave his bloodthirster there but then he thought well i might as well just send him over and try and kill arkin <laughs> so um yeah so it turned out in the end i was able to just send speed bumps over and um, stop him from getting over to arkin and yeah end up with a major victory for me so that was my first major win for the tournament yay for me <laughs> um and final score for that round was uh i scored 16 Jono scored four um and yeah that was it so it's good to meet you Jono, and good to know um uh, get to know good good to get to know another um canberra local i think we'd crossed paths before um or had a game before so that's always a bonus to be able to play new people so yeah thanks a lot mate and um yeah well yeah he's he's coming to sydney slaughter so uh, he is yeah catch up then. yeah yeah we'll be able to catch up with him again sydney slaughter cool so that was my game four what about yours mate nice uh so i got to play against cancron from uh, last year's fame uh alexander cron um from south australia uh, south australia with his ko so admiral, this was admiral cron admiral cron yeah and he he comes with his like admiral cap and goggles and stuff which is cool um <laughs> he's a really nice guy actually um it's cool chatting to him you can tell i think ko are i don't know if they're his only army but they're certainly his main love if they are um but yeah i think initially i think he was not happy that the new book was in play um he wanted to like he's used to the old book and stuff i think he was a bit worried about the new book and not having very long to pick a list and stuff like that um but in the end i think he i think by the time of the event he'd realized like what was good and he'd come up with a a pretty good list it has the thing i think that you'll see in most competitive ko lists so his list was uh barak urbaz from the mortal realm of shimon um, he had an Endrin Master with Dirigible Suit, who's the new Balloon Boy, as the general, and he had the trait Tough as Old Boots, which is just generic plus two wounds. Um, and then the artifact Phosphorite Bomblets, which is the cool one where once per game you, in your shooting phase, you can pick a unit within six, and you basically roll a dice, and on a two up, it's a mortal wound, and you just keep rolling until you roll a one. Um, so it has the potential to be incredible, has the potential to just be meh, and it has the potential to be somewhere in between. Um, but the cool thing is it's not a shooting attack, so you can run him and do it and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. I think you see it in quite a lot of lists. And then he had a chemist with Spell in a Bottle, the best artifact in all of Age of Sigmar. Um, <laughs> so that lets him pick an endless spell, and once per game he can cast it with 
the uh, chemist and it can't it's auto cast and it can't be unbound so he chose the realm scourge rupture uh from the new slaves to darkness endless spells so that's quite okay. a longish one uh that just does i think it's just d3 mortal wounds but then it also halves movement within uh and potentially one dice charge i'm not sure but i think it just halves movement and maybe halves charges within six inches um but the main thing is it can't it goes in one direction it's like the pendulum once it's been cast it only moves in one direction so he can drop it off and then send it in a place where it's not going to hurt him which is yeah, like good. quite a good choice for him because if he drops it and then loses the priority someone potentially could send it back at him or something um yeah. so yeah he had that and then his battle line he had 20 arcanauts in a single unit and then a one gun hauler one gun hauler because he's urbaz their battle line uh, so one of them had the Breath of Morgrim, which is the Barak Urbaz Great Endron works um, that you have to take. And then he had 20 Grunstock Thunderers in a single unit uh, with one Fumigator, four Deck Sweepers, four Ether Cannons, one Mortar, and then the rest were all rifles. Um, and then he had an Ironclad with the Great Sky Cannon and then the Ebullient Buoyancy Aid which I think you'll see in, that's what I think you'll see in most lists because it allows the Ironclad to be fully loaded up to 25 models and still get to fly high and everything like that. So you can put that big block of 20 Thunderers into the Ironclad and then it can fly high, teleport around the board and basically shoot the hell out of most things. Um, and that was in the Grunstock Escort Wing. So that is both the Gun Haulers, the Ironclad and the Thunderers. And then uh, he then has the Arcanaut Company um, and the Endra Master and Ether Chemist, I think, is separate. So I think he was three drops, um, three or four. So he's very low drop. Um, and 1980s, he had a Triumph as well, um, which I think he got. I can't even remember because they have so many Triumphs built into them anyway. I think we probably forgot about it. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, yeah uh so this game was an interesting one um i'd thought about it a little bit overnight in terms of trying to see if i could obviously use my woods to try and block line of sight um obviously i can't do it against the ironclad or the gun haulers because they fly um but i thought that the thunderers wouldn't be able to see through the woods even if they were in the ironclad because they still don't have the fly um rule on their war scroll so even though you measure the like the range and visibility between the target unit and the ship that they're in because the footprint of the ship is where they are so that's my reading of the book is that you're measuring it to the ship because the ship is the thing they're inside so obviously you have to measure to the ship but you can measure to any point of the ship hmm, yeah. but i don't i personally don't think that that gives the unit fly so because the ship flies but the unit inside still doesn't fly and there's nothing in the like uh in the actual garrisoning rules that say that they get fly or anything like that yes you measure the line of visibility to the ship in terms of its physical location on the board yeah. but i don't think it means you use the ship's visibility in terms of the ship is flying so the stuff in it is flying i get that like common sense wise they're in the ship so 
they're flying in the ship but at the same time i was like but they don't gain the rule so anyway in my head i was like i'd made plans kind of overnight that i could try and use woods to block line of sight because i reckon that potentially like my dearth and tree lord ancient with three up reroll ones wouldn't get shot off by the boats but they definitely wouldn't withstand the firepower of the boat and all the thunderers uh so anyway we go to we like go to start the game and we're just talking everything through and making sure that we agree on stuff and then obviously charles is like it's uh, not charles um alexander's like no they can see because they fly and so then i just said look that's not how i think it is but i completely understand that you think it's the other way i agree it's gray area let's just get a judge over to make a ruling and we'll just carry on with the game so yeah. we got dan was there so i just called dan over and just said look um alexander explained his way i said this is why i think and dan just said they're in the boat i'd say they're flying they count as flying and i said fine cool let's play the game um so that was the ruling i was like well i can't hide my characters <laughs> there's no point yeah. really trying to use woods in this game um so all i did was go well i have to put all my heroes on the line because he outdrops me he de he literally just deployed his whole army in a corner like three ships in a far corner well away from me um some arconauts kind of on the board off the other side i knew that those boats were going to be nowhere near there after the first turn because he'd just fly high wherever he wanted so um i thought well all i can do is try and split my stuff as far as possible and make him take a few turns to shoot me off yep. so i put dirthu far end uh like on the far left and i put my true lord ancient on the far right as far as i could go on my deployment line um, and then I also put the Branch Wraith up by Durthu and then the Branch Witch in the middle so that I would, because I, I had a feeling he would, if I, if I deployed back and made a bunker to try and zone him out from nine inches of being able to shoot anything, then he can just give me first turn knowing I can't do anything. Because you have to move, you have to move onto the objective. So even if I put woods down, I could teleport, but it's not a move to set up. So then I'd have just been there, not claimed it, and then he just shoots me off anyway. And then he can like double me. Yeah. Um. So I went on the front line, and then he did what I thought he'd do anyway, which is he just decided to take the first turn, um, and just try and shoot me off where I was. So he, yeah picked up all the ships, chucked them over to the other side, was Durthu was the main threat. So he just shot off Durthu and the Branch Wraith very easily, massively overkilled them. And then that was his turn. He didn't get any characters on the objectives because all the stuff scooted along. Like the chemist was inside the Ironclad and the Endrin Master was um, like hitching a ride. Um, so it was my turn. So then I just ran the Ancient and the Branch Witch onto their respective objectives i had to use a command point for the ancient i think to make sure he ran far enough and then i managed to roll a six with the branch witch so they both got on um and then basically put some woods down um just so that i could put my kernel hunters with bows into a position where they could shoot his admiral um and then basically just did uh, not the admiral sorry the android master so then just did both the units of shots into him made sure i had wizards in range for the reroll ones um but obviously he has his triumphs with the ko book so he just used them to reroll saves um i also teleported the tree revs in to try and just charge him literally i was like i have to just kill his two heroes 
Um, and so then I tried the charge with the true revs, but they failed the nine inch charge even with their reroll. So I chipped off like, I think I chipped off six, six wounds or something off the Andrew master with my first round of shooting. Um, and then it came to, and I scored two points. Then it came to priority, which I won. So obviously I took that because immediately it lets me score two and two with them. So it put me on six points. Um, and then I, again, just shot everything into the, both the units of Kurnoths into the um, Endrim Master, moved the true revenants forward, made the charge, um, still didn't kill the Endrim Master with the shooting. I think on the Triumph, actually, at the start of the game, he'd managed to get the... Um, oh, no, he's Urbaz, so he has D3 extra shares, so I think he'd given two shares to the characters anyway, so he had two lots of reroll saves on them. So he used that again in the shooting phase. Uh, so the Endra Master, yeah. So the Endra Master had like two wounds left um, after my shooting, and I still hadn't been able to do anything to the chemist in the ship. And then combat charged the true revs in, got like six of them in around the Endra Master, and like two of them, including the champion, into the uh, chemist, well, into the edge of the ironclad, and then said, "I'm attacking the chemist." Um, and I managed to kill the Admiral because he didn't have the reroll for the combat phase. So Sorry, the Endrim Master. So I managed to kill him. And then I think I put two wounds. I got one of the Protector Glaive attacks through from the champion into the chemist. And I managed to put two damage onto him. Um, but then it was Alex's turn. So he just flew high, sent the Ironclad and the Thunderers to the other corner of the board, shot off the uh, Tree Lord Ancient took the two units of uh the two gun haulers into the middle of the board shot off the branch witch so i was like cool that's it all my heroes are dead turn two my scores capped at six um he had got out he'd got the chemist out of the ship um obviously he shot off the tree revs as well um just with the arcanauts that were on the table um so he shot off the tree revs he got the chemist out of the ship before he flew high um and got the chemist like within like just moved him within three of the objective um there was terrain just close enough like mystical terrain so he could sit in mystical terrain within three of the objective with the chemist as well so he had plus one plus one save and mystical um and then yeah basically he he scored one point so turn two it was six one to me and i basically was like okay well on your next turn you'll score two so that will put you up to three and then on the next turn you'll score three which will put you up to six in which point we'd be drawing so i was like basically if i can kill your chemist before battle round four then i get a major win if i kill him on battle round four then it comes to kill points which you'll get a minor win and if i can't kill him by battle round four you get a major win and so literally i was just trying to do that um so he i think he then doubled me two to three which is annoying because it gave him another round of shooting um before I could shoot my bows again. So then he shot my two units of Colonel Thunders with bows and left. He killed both of the normal dudes from both units and left the champions alive with one wound each <laughs> after the end of everything from his third turn. So that, but that was all I had that could do anything was two bow hunter champions. Um, so then on my third turn, they both shot into the chemist trying to kill him, but he was minus one to hit because of the Arcanauts for lookout, sir. 
so i think i did like one wound and then i won the priority to turn four and was like again i've got two champions if i can kill him this turn then i'll get the major if not then at that point he was going to kill them and he was going to get them uh he was going to get the major um and yeah they didn't do it i think i only managed to do like two wounds to him in the end which if you yeah some days the swing of colonel thunder's like two rounds of shooting with two champions you'll kill a chemist with five wounds and others you will do two wounds to him so um yeah it didn't didn't pan out that game um had the chance to win it it was it was quite like it was still pretty quick we had like at least an hour to go um but yeah he then shot me off tabled me by turn four and his chemist was alive so he got the major win so 20 nil he got all of his secondaries i couldn't get mine and yeah good work um admiral crone well done yeah they're they're brutal like they are they're even though their firepower has been reduced from what it was like in terms of the likes the light sky hooks on the arconauts and stuff like they play very differently now and they play how they always should have played like they're yeah. awesome now with the ships just teleporting every turn and shooting stuff off you can play really tactically like you can you just don't have to engage like so much of your opponent's army you just go on one end shoot it off then the next yeah. turn you can be completely the opposite end shoot it off and like they're super good they're really really good um i think anyone like just going oh, okay or oh, rubbish now blah 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 they've they've lost their sky hooks it's like yeah they have but that ability to fly high an, an ironclad with 20 thunderers in it is ridiculous it's anyone that says they've lost their firepower that thing still shoots the hell out of most things they and their triumphs are so underrated it's the thing that people haven't talked about enough in that book that like triumphs are super strong because it's full rerolls to hit or full rerolls to wound or full rerolls to save and the fact that every boat every character and every unit of 10 or more starts a game with them and there's multiple ways of getting more triumphs or yeah. getting more gold they're phenomenal like honestly they are phenomenal um when you say triumph, so yeah they're really that, cool when you say triumph do you mean get in-game triumphs like when you yeah yeah, yeah so they all they all yeah. start with a share of ether gold and oh, you, gold. Spend, yeah, yeah. Yep. you spend that share to use any one of the six triumphs Oh, okay, now I'm with you. Oh, okay, cool, gotcha. Um, yeah, I do actually... triumph, triumphs are so strong because of the wording of when you use them, yeah. and it's like full rerolls. And there's like ways to get reroll, like ones to hit anyway. So like you can basically, well, there's ways in that book you can get like full rerolls to hit without using a triumph, and then you can just use your triumphs to be full rerolls to wound. The only thing is they can only use one per. Um, phase per unit, isn't it? like oh, per one per phase yeah. so if in hindsight perhaps instead of like shooting all of my bow hunters at the admiral like knowing he was going to use the triumph to reroll saves and he had like the two on the chemist and the two on him potentially i should have actually split shots because only one of them would have been able to reroll saves hmm. um yeah that's, i don't um, know i think yeah like i've i've actually just jogging my memory there i'd actually had had a, a practice game with Duncan leading up to um, Call of Glory. And he, he's a big KO, KO lover. And um, so he played with the new rules and we had a game at my place. And, um, yeah, they, as you said, they just feel like they're, like they're supposed to, like they're behaving like they're supposed to now. Like they've got better armor saves on the, on the, um, 
the ironclads and all that sort of thing and the yeah the fly high thing as you already said is really cool they just feel better they're really strong but they're not so strong that you just not face melting over the top strong they're just good they're just like really good like they should be and as you'd expect um them to be from you know from their from the fluff and all that sort of stuff from that perspective too so yeah, yeah cool. they're really cool they've got tricks there's different builds like you can definitely yeah. do builds around the balloon boys and i think there's there's arcanaut builds in there as well. like, i actually think the book is really good i think there's actually quite a few different play styles you can do there is the obvious build which is the ironclad with the bullion buoyancy aid and 20 thunderers which is very strong and you will see it in a lot of competitive builds but i do definitely think there's there's other builds there and the garrison that garrisoning like applying that to the ironclads and everything it's yeah it's really cool i like it yeah it, it, it yeah worked. it was a great great bit of redesign yeah. to make the army play how everyone felt it always should have yeah definitely cool so should we roll into game five uh, yeah. so game five was escalation and with life springs again for the realmscape features that was the plus one wound to one of your uh, characters or to your general whoever um, so i played james led uh, he's one of the model citizens lads from um from melbourne so he'd come up for the weekend uh he took skaven tide so he had a vermin lord warp seer was his general with master of magic trait and um, suspicious stone artifact he had gray seer on screaming bell um, with the skitter leap spell warlock bombardier with uh the Law of Warp Fault Galvanism. <laughs> more, more, more Warp Power. <laughs> and another one with the same. Um, yeah. 40 Clan Rats, 20 Clan Rats, 20 Clan Rats, 10 Night Runners, 6 Storm Fiends. So two of the Wind Launchers, two of the Rattling Cannons, and two of the Shock Gauntlets. Um, he had a Warp Lightning Vortex and the Geminids. So it came in at 2,000 points. So this game... Uh, so we... Okay, what was it? It was Escalation. Just trying to think how this game went. Um, we, yeah, it was like what I was just basically just applying the same kind of um, strategy which I have, which I had with um, you know my my previous games with this list. There's not much. It's not a lot more you can do with it. It's pretty much all about just getting the getting the Morgas across the table as soon as you can without you know before they get chopped to bits or whatever. So. Um, yeah, it came up. Um, they they got in. They came to grips, and um, just shredded a big unit of clan rats um, <laughs> pretty early in the game. So reducing it down, reducing it down, just kept chipping away at his big um, horde units. Meanwhile, he's bringing up the um, the good old um, storm vermin, storm vermin from behind, started blasting away, uh, started whittling down. So it was a real shooting, real like real bloody. Like lots of rats were flying everywhere. <laughs> More gas were getting shattered. The, the chain rats were trying to get into take you know take objectives and stuff. And um, the vampire lord zombie dragon getting over and doing his thing, eating up rats as well. Like it was just it was just carnage. <laughs> but um, there was a point in the game um, where I was because I, I hadn't had a lot of luck with Curse of Years with Arkan this tournament. I think in I, I Curse of Years off a unit um, in my game against Jet. Um, but all the other times that I'd roll, like, you know, so many times you just roll 10 dice, you don't roll a single six. And you're just like, fuck this spell. Fuck you, Arkin. You know, <laughs> see this. You know, like. <laughs> oh, it's, definitely a, it's definitely a trap. You just use it as a threat, but it's definitely yeah. a trap. 
Oh, it scares the shit out of your opponent because of its, you know, potential. But like, you know, nine times out of ten, it's just absolutely, it's just garbage. It's just shit. So <laughs> it's so disappointing. Um, yeah, you might do two, you know, you might do a couple of mortal wounds here or there or whatever, four, five, if you're lucky. Um, but there is those times where you do get it off and you roll it down. So sure enough, um, rolled it down um, on the on the Storm Fiends and I was like, yep, date off. And he was, he said, oh, can I just have a look at that? And he had a look at the wording and because the War Scroll had changed recently and it was always um, that mortal wounds, like it always fails on a one. Um, so we called over Dan because, you know, Dan Brewer, because like I was understanding it as, yes, it, Mortal Wounds fail on a one, but you still, when you get it down to two up, like you can't, like it just goes on for infinity. So I was still playing it in that way and understanding it that way. Um, but of course, like if you roll a one, it, it's, it fails to make a Mortal Wound. So, um, um, yeah, James was saying, look, I think, when it gets down to two, you just have to keep rolling. And if you roll a one, then it stops sort of thing. I'm just like, oh, okay, well, yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Let's get, let's get down over and, and uh, to adjudicate. And yeah, Dan ruled in favor of that, which is like on uh, further meditation on that. I was just like, yeah, it's definitely, I got that wrong. So I do apologize jet um, <laughs> for getting away with an old school, um, an old school curse of years on that unit. Um, but yeah. So anyway, so I we calculated the amount of wounds I did. I kept rolling uh, until I did roll a one, and that stopped it. And we calculated the wounds, and he um, actually got I think he got like two, two or three of his bases back with um, yeah two yeah with some you know one of one partial wounds or whatever. So um, that kind of yeah definitely did flick the the game back into James's favor. I was feeling quite like confident that I could um, possibly get a win out of this game up until that point. But, yeah, bringing those guys back, it made it very hard to kind of um, capitalise and get in there and uh, get the win. So in the end, uh, James won the major victory. Um, round five. Yeah, he, he got 20 nil on me on that <laughs> on that one. So what on James? Um, played well. It was good to meet you, mate. Good to meet a, one of the model citizens. I've... Hadn't um, had the pleasure of playing one of the one of that crew before, so I hope you had a good game and um, thanks for the game. I think it was pretty tense at times. I think both of us were like definitely like in in the zone when we were playing, um, but um, yeah, there was no there was no um, like hostility or contention about that ruling with um, with Arkans War Scroll and yeah, we just did what everyone should do don't like don't don't be afraid just to call over to to sort something out because i think it makes it's just can only be a positive outcome in the end and yeah it's really up to everyone's own individual attitudes anyway to make it a good game and i think both of us had had that in our favor anyway so yeah it was good um but yeah that was my round five major loss um what about you man nice um i played zach watson with Ossiarch Bone Reapers. Um, it was obviously Petrifex because every single one of the players <laughs> at CanCon with Bone Reapers was Petrifex. Um, but he had Catacross and four Mortec Crawlers. Oh. So yeah, he went for the full Catapult build um, yeah. with Catacross and then just 10, 10, 10 of Mortec, uh, a Soul Mason and a Bone Shaper, 
um, and the Nightmare Predator, and that's 2K on the nose. So I actually was like, do you know what? I might have one of the armies here that doesn't hate that because I can block line of sight with my woods because he still yeah. needs line of sight with the catapults and okay, right. nothing, they don't fly, I don't fly. So actually I might be okay in terms of not getting just shot to pieces. Um, yeah. Obviously I still need to be able to get woods down in important places. Um, and this was, yeah, escalation. So you set up really far apart. So his cat across and all four catapults had to be 24 inches back from the, the line. And my tree lords all had to be 24 inches back from the line. So we're like 48 inches apart. So turn one, they're safe anyway, because the maximum range of his catapults is 43 if he uses a relentless discipline point um, to move them an extra three inches. Um, yep. But yeah, basically, I just was like, well, you can't score turn one, so I'm going to play like really cagey um, and then just try and get woods down in good places. Um, I outdropped him, and I, I was considering him giving giving him first turn because of the whole thing of going well then he can't double me and his first turn is going to be pretty wasted but i was already looking at where i kind of wanted to be able to get woods down in order to block line of sight across the board and there was a big hole in the middle of the board that was going to be perfect to try and put a wood down and i knew if i gave him first turn he'd just walk straight into it so i just took first turn and put woods down um where i could um, off to the side and kind of in that middle middle spot to try and block some line of sight. Um, and then I held on to my tree revs right at the back of the board until such time as I would be able to use them at the point where I would claim an objective, not send them in, get them killed, and then not have the bodies when I needed them. Um, but basically what I did was all my lightly armoured units, like my heroes and my spike revenants and stuff like that, I made sure they were always in trees or behind trees so he couldn't see them. And then my Kurnoth Hunters I had outside of the trees or on the front of my trees so that he could see them because I was on a three-up save, re-rolling ones because of the Tree Lord Ancient's command ability. And his catapults don't have any rend. So I was actually like, Do you know what? I'm probably quite safe. So I was letting him shoot stuff the whole game, but everything he was shooting was always a three-up re-roll ones. Um, yes. I didn't want to take the risk and like put Durthu and stuff like that out into visibility just in case I roll bad. But to be honest, towards the end of the game, I was like, I think I'm being overly cautious with my True Lord Ancient and Durthu because I'm on a three up rerolling ones. Your catapults actually, I'm probably going to save most of the shots. And then because my True Lord Ancient's got the auto D6, D3 heal, even if he did get one through and put five wounds onto me, I just would go auto heal and that did happen like later on in the game when i let him get a shot against me um but essentially quite early on i just decided because he had his 10 more tech 10 more tech 10 more tech straight away on the front line as his battle line units to just get all three objectives and the problem is 10 more tech go through anything in my army or outnumber like they outnumber the kernoths the only thing I can do is try and kill them with the Tree Lords, which is really only Durthu probably reliably, because the Ren 1 on the normal Tree Lords just isn't enough when they have a 3-up re-rolling save. Um, so I kind of went, well, I'm just going to ignore the middle. I do not have enough stuff to claim all three. And if I can get two, then I win anyway on points. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, yeah, I kind of started running stuff over to the far right one, like my Tree Lord. 
and then started i summoned dryad started running them over in that direction held on to the tree revenants until later um and then i sent my dirthu and my tree lord ancient down to the bottom left i put a wood down there um so i teleported them into the wood and had them ready um and had spite revenants behind them in the woods so they couldn't be seen but they were counting as bodies so when he moved his mortec round he wouldn't be able to just have more bodies necessarily um but yeah in uh basically what happened was it came down to in battle round three i was able to kill both units of mortec on the left the unit on the left and the unit on the right completely wiped them out in battle round three which meant that i got control of those two from battle round three um and so because battle round two he got all three and i think i got none and then he got one he would have then just got one every turn for the rest of the game because he had the middle one and yeah. then i got two 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 oh yeah that's right so i got the priority and i got both of the objectives turn two um yeah from going on to them early i got both of them um and so i got two on turn two and he got three on turn two because he took them all back and then from about around three four five um he got just the one in the middle so he had seven points at the end and then i got yeah i got two 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 so it was eight seven was the final score um so i got it by the one point and that was because in the third round the one on the left i was secure because i had dirth around the tree lord ancient and i was able to just kill the mortec but on the right it was sketchy because the tree lord had to kill 10 mortec and i managed to kill i think i managed to kill six of them with his four sweeping blow attacks um because i managed to get one or two through and then obviously the 2d6 or the d6 damage per attack um i managed to get that through and kill like six of them so then there was still four left and i just had my impaling talon and i was like i'm not going to do this but the impaling talon on the tree lord if you roll a six to hit does d6 mortal wounds so i rolled a six to hit and then i rolled a six and did flat six mortal wounds and then just killed them and I did the same thing with the Tree Lord Ancient on the left-hand side as well. I did, there was only one left, so it was already mine, but I then rolled five mortal wounds on that side as well. So between the Tree Lord Ancient and the Tree Lord, I did 11 mortal wounds from their Impaling Talons into Mortec Guard, and it was just beautiful. And I was like, sweet, these are mine now. And then, yeah, from there, that was pretty much the game. He sent Cat across into some Kernoth Hunters with bows, but they were in cover, three up re-rolling, just slowly ground. I then, on turn five for kill points, tried to send Derthu into Catacross to just see if I could take him off, but didn't manage it. He made, because uh, he has a two-up armor save, and he made loads of his saves, because they go to four-ups after my Rentu, and he just made all the saves. I, I, I took him down to ten wounds, and then got through and put the like four attacks into him, and they just passed the saves, so I didn't kill him. He passed every single save, so I just left him on half wounds, I think. But, um, but yeah, so through. I... I ended up getting, uh, I think, an 18-2 um, against Zach in that game. Um, was it an 18-2? Let me just check my notes. No, uh, it was a 19-1. Sorry. But yeah, that's right. It was a 19-1 because I didn't manage to kill a 1,000 points 
of his, oh, yeah. but yeah. he also didn't kill a thousand points of mine. Cool. So, yeah, um, that was a major win to me. So uh, I was, I'd oh, achieved, yeah. I'd achieved three major wins, which is the most I had hoped for. So I was, I was happy going into the last game. Yeah, good. Yeah, like um, at this by this stage, I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm just, I'm, I was at the point where I was playing people with similar temperament in the game and stuff like that. So I was, we were just having. I was having fun just rolling around the mid to bottom tables and uh, that certainly was evident in this last um, game. So I played against uh, Damien Newsom uh, from Sydney. So we'd had a bit of banter online for a little while. And so it's good to uh, finally get a game in with each other. So he took the Skaven Tide. He had the Arch Warlock uh, for his general with um, deranged inventor trait, esoteric warp resonator artifact, uh, he had a more, more, more warp power um, from the law of warp vault galvanism. Uh, Grace here on the Screaming Bell, the uh, warp gale uh, spell, and he had a vermin lord warp seer, 20 clan rats, 20 clan rats, 20 clan rats, nine warp lock gisales, and two warp lightning cannons. Um, he had the vortex and the vermin tide as well. So, oh, you had two yeah. very similar lists back to back. Yeah, like two, you know, coming, coming out of. You know, the last two games played two Skaven lists. <laughs> it was cool. It's interesting. I, it's a fun list to play. Like it's, I know they've, they've got a bit of a rep to, for being like super strong and everything, but they're they've kind of brought back the flavour of the old Skaven that I remember. I used to love always love playing against Skaven because they were just so random and fun and quirky, and they really brought out the character of that army. And um, I feel like in the earlier days of Age of Sigma, they kind of lost that. They just became all out nasty. <laughs> um, and now they've kind of, yeah, they just feel that fun randomness has kind of come back into the army, which is really, really good. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this is the last last battle round, which was focal points uh, with the Verdant Landscape, which was just, I think that, that was the one that didn't have any effect on the battle. So, yeah, this is just a straight up, again, Let's get the um, Morgars across the table and into his um, lines before they get shot off. And um, as what was happening in most of my games, they were getting just getting targeted and whittled down. So by the time they get to, to grips with things, it'd only be like two, maybe three if I was lucky, but usually only two, maybe one left to actually bring to bear. Um, still managed to carve out a fair bit of damage in um, amongst his lines. Uh, the Vampire Lord Zombie Dragon went round on my right, round the back side um, of his lines and ate his way through the clan rats on that side and into his Warplock Gisales. <laughs> Basically crunched had Warplock Zale soup for dinner. Um, and then, um, again, Arkin, the threat of Arkin doing his um, Curse of Fears. I think I got it off, but it didn't really do much. Um, but, yeah, there was just this um, fun kind of duel going on in the middle with the um, Coven Throne and the warp. Uh, the vermin, the vermin lord. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of like the gist of the game. It was just like, yeah, send, send the archive across and you know did some damage across the center, and um, you know one of his characters blew themselves up. <laughs> um, just like just a lot of fun little moments like that, and we just had a ball um, during that game. Just a lot of fun, a lot of good banter, um, and also some very intense moments as well. So very and very close uh, up until those that last sort of turn last couple of turns where it really started to swing into his favor. Um, and so he was able to take home the major win there, scoring 15 to my five. So 
that was the end of uh, the tournament for me. So at the end, it was a um, three major losses, minor win, minor loss, and one major win. So that was my um, CanCon 2020. So went in there, eyes wide open, knowing that my list was not an optimal build. I was there to have fun and have some close games around the bottom tables, and I uh, did that. So it's pretty happy with that. Um, and yeah, it's just five. Oh, sorry, it's just six close games, and um, can't really ask much more than that, really, in a tournament. Yeah, nice. And I wasn't hungover. <laughs> Always good. <laughs> Always good. Let my lesson. <laughs> cool. What about um, you, mate? So yeah, my life? my final game. Um, I got to play tubs. So I started against one Yay. half of. Uh, notorious and i finished with the other half of notorious so my cancon my cancon journey was a nice notoriously wounded sandwich yes um <laughs> sandwiched in between uh big sean and tubs so uh and it was a nice place to be um so i was playing i was playing tubs with his gloom spite um i've only played them once before um the yeah he has lots of models which is just not good matchup for me to go against um with lots of debuffs and more wounds and stuff like this and it was focal points where you need to be able to spread out and contest lots of objectives and he's got a built-in teleport spell and yeah i i had no illusions going into this game that i was gonna win it um <laughs> but i was gonna just try and play a game and see what i could do anyway and um yeah so tubs list was a web spinner shaman on a ragnarok with an ethereal amulet um with sneaky i'm not going to read all the spells i don't even know what they do and then web spinner shaman uh scragger the loon king as the general and then a fungoid cave shaman um and then he had 40 shooters 40 shooters 20 shooters 20 shooters six rock guts and then a pendulum bailwind cogs geminids quicksilver swords arachna cauldron and scuttle tide um Solid. So, yeah, loads of bodies, but he's got damage from the rock guts. He's got loads of damage coming out of the endless spells. Um, the spider is actually quite fighty, I discovered, even though he was like, nah, it's not the fighty one. It's just the wizard one, but he was pretty fighty. Um, he went through, like, Colonel Thunders with bows really easily and then went through a tree lord really easily. <laughs> um and I was like, is he like really fighting? He was like, no, he's he's way overperforming. Um, but yeah, he was pretty good. But yeah, he's got obviously all of the units of Grotz have got the nets in them, which are minus one to hit if you're within two inches of any of the nets. Um, so like Death, who doesn't like minuses. Um, and then he's got obviously Geminids, which he kept putting through like minus one to hit as well, or minus one attack. So potential for minus two to hit is just not good. Um, when I'm quite elite, and yeah, this is the game where I said I felt my Kurnos with bows as just wishing they were like combat ones, um, because they could sit on an objective and actually would have been able to slice up his grots and just kill them really quickly. Whereas bows just they were locked down and then they just don't do anything. Um, they just don't do mass damage to grots. It's not what you want to be shooting. Um, but yeah, basically I took first turn because I'm Sylvaneth, wanted to get Woods down, didn't want the Grots to run across the table and block in the objectives. Um, and I know that Tubbs wants to go first so that he can do that. So um, yeah, I I just went, you know what, I'm going to try a big play. He had quite lightly defended one side. 
he'd like clustered his entire army around a big piece of terrain and his loon shrine um all off to one side so i kind of saw a possible like play with my tentry revs to try and go in on the end of his line of grots um on the right hand side um and try and just take that objective from him and go for a big like six points turn one um so yeah basically went put my woods down one in the middle um kind of one off to the right uh one with the spell one with the ancient um the branch wraith actually managed to cast the um spite swarm hive um for the first time ever um and it didn't get unbound um which almost never happens so then i managed to put that down in range of several units but the only one that really mattered was the tree revs um managed to roll the two up as well which to be honest almost every time i normally don't cast the spell and then if i do i then roll a one so it doesn't matter but i actually cast it and managed to roll the two up so uh, i then teleported the tr tree revenants over to his side knowing that they have plus three to charge and they can re-roll one dice per phase so it makes it quite reliable that they'd make that charge um and then i moved Durthu and the ancient up didn't shoot because i knew he would just take models away from where i wanted to charge um and yeah basically made the charge with the tree revs and then managed to kill enough grots that i um would have the objective and yeah so i had a good turn one got six points and then um he had his turn um and then started to push up i think potentially one thing i could have tried to do which i didn't think of at the time was try and use the tree lord because of the fact it was in the household and he wouldn't have been able to retreat from it and where he was positioned with his spellcasters not potentially not being able to get a pendulum down and through me um is i could have potentially tried to actually have gone with a teleport from the tree lord into his front lines because he was bunkered everything was in behind loads of grots all in one place if i'd made a charge with the tree lord into the front line of grots i don't know i think it might have taken him a couple turns to kill me and he couldn't retreat so everything would have been stuck although i do think he potentially could have just cast the spell to teleport the unit i was in combat with out the way and just chuck it somewhere in a corner and then be free to move the stuff behind it so i don't know i didn't i didn't do it maybe if i had it, it might have been different but to be honest he his casting was so reliable that he probably would have just got the teleport spell off the unit i tried to lock down anyway um but potentially could have done that um but yeah anyway his turn he then he managed it he cast scuttle tide and because you pick any terrain feature it came out of this realm gate next to my true revenants and you roll i think you roll six dice and it was supposed to just be like five ups do mortal wounds or something um and he just rolled six five ups and just killed six tree revenants and i was like <laughs> oh, oh man. that was that was not supposed to happen um so then i think he hit them with a spell and basically just took them down to like two models left and he had three grots left in that unit so he was able to just actually take that back and score uh just the two points that turn he didn't get mine and he didn't get the middle because he didn't make his charges um but then uh i think he got the priority into three and then that's where he then charged in the grots in the middle onto the middle objective and then 
the spider had gone through the kernels on the left and then the rock guts came in and he went through the tree lord and the branch wraith and took the left hand side of the board was his uh he had grots teleported or ran he ran a unit of grots to get back onto the right so he basically had his right his left my left and the middle and then from that point i was like wow that's going to be game i'm not going to be able to take them back off you um i just tried sending i had Durthu and the ancient just slowly killing grots but he had enough negatives to hit me and negative attacks and things like that to just mean that my um even with Durthu, i was only killing maybe 12 grots a turn or something and he was just making tails to be immune to battle shocks he's got loads of cp um, and when they're units of 40 40 20 i just didn't i didn't have the damage output and the bodies um to go through him and yeah he just i was like you've got the game it's fine um we were really pushing for time we were both absolute shad i've never done a six game tournament before so i was like oh my god okay i was just glad it was against tubs like someone i knew and we were both feeling exactly the same we both did some really shockingly bad plays like uh, there was a point in my tree lord ancient he'd done like six mortal wounds to me in his turn um, and I looked at it at the time was like, that's fine, because I've got my the whole setup is I've got an auto cast regrowth, which he can't stop for D6. And then because I cast that, I get the D3. That's the whole point. I built it. And then it came to my actual hero phase. And then I was just like looking at these grots and like, oh, I need to like, how do I just do damage? Because I was like, I've got no useful spells to do. I was like, oh, I'll just try and cast Awaken the Wildwood. So I actually have to roll that because it's not the Sylvaneth Law spell. So then he just unbinds it. So I do nothing anyway. And then I'm like, oh, fuck. I didn't do regrowth and now because i didn't cast a spell i can't heal at all and he was like yeah that was really bad i was like i'm so tired honestly this is horrific um but yeah it was pretty funny by the end of round four i was just like he was trying to rush through and i said mate you've got you've got the game like let's just call it we're, we're done here it's fine and he was like is that cool and i was like it's cool well done we're done <laughs> um because i think yeah, he was keen for it. i think he was i think he was keen for a 20 nil because he was like oh that makes it a perfect like 80 because I think his other three wins he'd got were all 20 nils or, or his combination was he was on 60 and he was like oh if, if I get the 20 nil here then it's enough and I was like yeah you're fine you've, you've killed a thousand I don't think I've killed a thousand of yours I don't care about playing it out like you've got the win we're done let's just pack up because we're both shared <laughs> yeah. and we don't need to we don't need to play a fifth battle round yeah. um so yeah that was that was it so I got 20 nilled major loss for my last game against tubs so i'm now notoriously wounded they have both beat both of them have beaten me um <laughs> tubs has beaten me twice um i need to actually play them next time with like strong lists and see how we go so yeah that was a um, really good fun game against tubs and a great way to to finish the weekend um so yeah finished hey. on three major wins three major losses which is exactly what i hoped no more for um going into the event i didn't think i could get more than three wins and to be mm. honest i hadn't won a single game going into the event for like 10 games in a row and i was ready to just get six major losses so um <laughs> i was i was chuffed to go three three um yeah so yeah good. it was and it, i was just so pleased to be there um and and everything and then yeah we had all the awards um which we won't go through you can find them in loads of other places aos shorts has got a good summary of all the prize winners and everything obviously oh, jimmy yeah. page new zealand master took out the events well done to him um 
Zinch, very powerful. Um, good game on the stream to watch against Caesar Sigma. Um, you see the power of the horror splitting and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah. still needed to be piloted. So, well done, Jimmy. Um, and then, yeah, I then yeah we had pack up and everything like that. And then I think you had to head off and and stuff. And then I kind of helped out and then went off to the Dweller's Crib for the the big multicast that I'm still waiting for. I think we're still waiting for Nick to release through the dwellers. Um, but yeah, that was kind of loads of the, I guess, content creators that were there. So Vince, Rob from Honest Wargamer, obviously Joe Pagano, Adam Burt was there for Heralds, um, myself and Morley Wounded, the Not Notorious Boys were there. Um, you had AOS Shorts there. You had Vince there. Um, so yeah that was uh randy was there you had um yeah as many people as, as many podcasters and content creators as you could get in a room to just kind of give a, a summary of the event and um grumpy smorgan as well uh, which was great um and yeah shout out to randy i fucking love that man like i've been waiting so long to have a fruit tingle and then we were just sat there and it was the end of the weekend and i was like oh my god randy have you got any fruit tingle and it was like <laughs> I, he's like i can make up a bowl I was like, I, that would be amazing. So yeah, then Randy just goes off into the kitchen and just comes out with this big, big punch bowl and ladle. He's like made a full punch bowl's worth of fruit tingle, and then just gives me a glass and I start drinking it. And so then, oh, Magro was there. Magro, Bolo. there we go. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, and then uh, how, I just, how did that all start up? I don't, I don't even know, but it's funny. <laughs> um, it just needs to continue, is all I know. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so then started drinking the fruit tingle. I think I probably had like eight fruit tingles throughout that recording. Um, then my tongue went blue. And yeah, I just remember talking to Bates and Tubbs at the end and being like, I was talking to Sean and I said, hey, Sean, I'm a skink, worry fire. And I just stuck my tongue out and then like walked backwards from him. Just like, <laughs> and he was just pissing himself laughing. It was just, it was great. But yeah, Randy was a fucking legend because what you won't hear is throughout that entire recording, Randy's just going around whenever one like a glass is empty and people just look at him. He's like, oh, yeah, and he just takes it from me, silently goes off, refills it and just hands it back to everyone. So fucking love Randy. He's just the best guy. Um, and fruit tingles are glorious. It's so tasty. I could drink that all the time. Um, it it could if it was readily available, it could replace Guava Cruisers as my tournament drink of choice. Oh, but out. it will be. I can't wait for Brizhammer for the Guava Cruisers. But um, yeah, that was that was it. I think um, that was that was it. The Sunday we chilled out, and then that was late. Got back, went to bed, and then yeah, got out of the Airbnb, and then me and Liam were driving back, and then um and jet that's right and then i remembered the whole reason we decided to take the monday off was because the convention was still on on the monday so yeah, we okay. then we then went in and actually walked around the convention for like an hour hour and a half and actually got some time at the convention which was sweet so i uh i bought actually some um, i did that too <laughs> i went back took sam back we walked around oh on the monday yeah yeah i didn't even know we could yeah, we must have yeah i think i think i missed you guys um we bumped into dave hurley um and a few of the other guys like bumped into luke kellett oh he's someone i haven't shout out to luke um nice guy i think he's recently back into warhammer um liam introduced me to him um he had a beautiful sylvaneth army that's like converted with um it's got loads of conversions so his tree lord ancients like based off nagash oh so that was he's his. got like an agash, oh, cool. yeah, yeah so it's like white, 
yeah yeah he's super nice guy um so yeah i've been chatting to him quite a lot about sylvaneth because they are the army i know like the back of my hand um and yeah so luke's got a ticket for him and at least one of his mates for slaughter so he'll be at slaughter um so yeah it was really nice to meet luke um and and yeah hopefully i'll get to see more of his army at slaughter and stuff um bumped into him him and the other guys at the convention um yeah picked up some artwork um to keep the other half happy at home um like some cool fantasy artwork of like a gyarados um that's this guy done and like a cool fox thing um and then yeah went around the stall that like splits up all the like multi boxes so that, that's the stall that like has all the starter boxes but they like it's, split it's it up galaxy. into all the so like the first year i remember stuff was super cheap and everyone was going crazy over like silver tower things and getting like um blue horrors and brimstone horrors and stuff like that really cheap um so i managed to pick up three sets of the war cry terrain ruins for like 20 yeah, bucks each for like 20 bucks each well. yeah I got, um, I got all the sprues i think except for one sprue i think the bell yeah it doesn't have the, the bell no, the, yeah no i got the bell one no that was the the sigma head oh, okay one. i didn't get that one yeah yeah okay i didn't get either of them they did they just had the normal ones but i got three sets of the normal ones because yeah. they were 20 20 bucks each and i've been considering buying the walk ride box just for the terrain um yeah. so yeah i was pretty happy with that um and yeah, I think I think that was pretty much it. That wrapped up my Cancon. Um but yeah, how about you? Obviously what Yeah, you, we yeah, um, it wasn't it wasn't originally in the plan to um to go back the next day, but I was just itching for it and we were gonna go out to some markets anyway. It's like, oh I just wanna drop in and have a quick look. And she's like, All right. <laughs> so yeah, we, we went in and we because I really wanted to check out the uh the crystal brush, not the crystal brush, the um That's right. Yeah, it was crystal, no it was crystal dragon. brush. Crystal, no, it was crystal dragon. brush yeah i think it's dragon it was crystal dragon but anyway yeah so the the awesome um penny comp was upstairs in the sort of middle pavilion so went up there and we checked out those and um sam loved looking at that as well um some really fantastically painted models in there i saw vince's models were up in up there as well um and so we checked them out we went around the stalls we bought some board games and things like that and i got um uh, I got one of those the Kings of War um, warriors, kind of like they're like the um, right. They're kind of like savage, and North like wildling style sort of warriors, and they're really cool. That's a really cool kit. So I thought I'd pick I'd pick that up as well. Don't know when I'll use it, but I'm sure it'll come in handy one day. Can you make them undead? Uh, just yeah, just, probably could. Well, just, just, zombif- just zombify them. It could, you could like I, I was actually thinking of a way I could try and work them into um, my um, Between Worlds army to the Vendrak yeah. clan, um, but trying to work it in like it's yeah I don't know I might not be able to find it find a spot for him, but we'll see how we go. Um, but yeah, oh, got a few other bits and bobs, you know, some Star Wars things and whatnot. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I've got some terrain pieces like uh, MDF train stuff like that. But oh I mean, yeah, what really some cool. of those like houses and stuff that you like the flat build kind of? Yeah, like the flat pack thing. So I got like a it's like a town square fountain kind of thing, just a quick and easy, um, down and dirty kind of um, train piece. So, but yeah, it's good. Had a great weekend. As always, Cancon is a highlight of the year for the for the wargaming community. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyone that gets the opportunity to come to CanCon should definitely try. Um, yeah. Whether you're Australian or not, um, come over from the UK, come over from America, come over from Europe, come over from Canada, come over from Bratislava, wherever you are, just like come to <laughs> CanCon. It's such a good yeah. event. You've got not only the biggest AOS singles event in the world, but so many other game systems, loads yeah. of stalls, and just more importantly, just a heap of great dudes and gals that love the hobby. There's some amazing armies on display. Like, um, I mean, Danny Carroll's KO display was phenomenal this year. Um, obviously, Tim Barclay's pirate ship was amazing as well just getting it to see that level of hobby but then there's also such a high level of gaming um yeah it's just it's just an amazing weekend and if you come can on. you should definitely try and come yeah don't forget james lynch's uh, uh slanesh army as well that it's just an absolute like masterpiece <laughs> it's fantastic so it's cancon and if you can come <laughs> yes <laughs> Oh, with that dad joke, I think that about wraps up the show. Yeah, I'm pretty tired. But um, yeah. I think, uh, just final final words. Um, thank you to everybody who uh, bought a ticket to Sydney Slaughter. Um, Chris put up the event ticket sales. I think it was a time of recording. It was last weekend on the Saturday. Uh, midday, they sold out very quickly and we increased the cap. Uh, we had to increase it to 60 to accommodate um, a few extra players and things, but um, it's now we've got a waiting list and all that sort of thing. So we sold out in was it four hours or under four hours? Just under yeah, four about hours. about four hours. We sold out sixty tickets, yeah. which we've not sold out before. Um, every yeah, year previously biggest, has been this is, yeah has been a bit of a push the last couple of weeks to try and get to numbers. To so this year, yeah. honestly, the the support has been amazing. So thank you so much to everyone um, to have yeah. sold out. 60 which is what we think is probably our absolute max capacity yeah you we, we are going to look at it and see if we can potentially stretch it a little bit but there are more restrictions than just space um there's also the kitchen in terms of being able to cope with that number um yeah. of people in the hour kind of allotted for lunch but also space we don't we don't tables. want it to be crammed we want it to yeah. be a comfortable tournament for those that have signed up um so it may not increase past 60 but yeah we've currently got 13 on the waiting list as well so yeah, yeah 73 people interested within a day is is absolutely amazing um so thank you um it means a lot to me i know that custom scenarios can put people off and and stuff like that so it might have hampered sales in the previous years but it does really mean a lot that people are kind of willing to go out on a limb and uh, we'll put on the best event for you that we can um yeah and it really having everyone signed up and knowing the event is sold out from day dot means we can really get planning right, we can we so can sort easier. out trophies <laughs> we can sort out prize support we can we can do so much more because we know what funds we've got so yeah. um yeah thank you so much and um, we really do appreciate it and we can't wait to see you all there yeah it's amazing cool well i think that's it for us um you can find me online at on twitter and instagram at duke cadrick and Chris, you can find me at Wounded Mortally, and you can find us both at on the um, mortally wounded.com. Oh, sorry, mortally wounded uh, website. So you can check us out on there and send us an email. 
any questions or anything like that, anything you want us to talk about in the show, then hit us up. Um, James at com and Chris at com. Yep. And we both manage the Facebook page and respond pretty frequently on there if you want to find us on Facebook. Yeah. And if you want to get on the wedding list, just hit us up with the message. Yeah, just message the Facebook page and we'll put you on the waiting list for, for Sydney Slaughter 2020. Um, so I think that about wraps up episode 34. This has been Notoriously Wounded, a subsidiary of Mortally Wounded podcast. Thanks for listening. See you guys.